Hello and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about the Christmas specials. My name is Snowbody, and I'm joined by the most wanted criminal on the naughty list. It's Vivian. How are you today, Vivian? Oh, fuck. That one, that, I guess as you said that, I was like, shit, how can I turn Vivian into like a holiday theme thing? Fuck. Uh, <laughs> uh, God, I, I've got nothing. I can't. <laughs> it was tough enough for me to try to figure out a like uh, spooky month-themed username for Discord. I could, not, I could not think of one at the top of a hat for Christmas or other holidays. I mean, I was trying to think of something today, but I didn't come up with anything, and also it felt weird to just assign it to you, so... Y yeah, especially with, like, us being, like, you know, people who chose their own names and all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, uh... Happy spooky days, I guess, based on when we're recording this. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, yes, but... It's not... Listen, this is going up the week of Christmas. It, it is, but we're recording it the first Thursday of October. <laughs> so... Yeah, but that's not relevant. No one knows know. that but us. Well, I mean, to be fair, people did know that because I put out the call for questions on social media, so they already knew that we were doing that now. <laughs> yeah, this will probably be up somewhere in the neighborhood of the 26th-ish. But regardless, uh, yeah, yeah uh, you know, like almost three months from now. Uh, yeah. So, um, how's it going? Holidays, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, holidays. You know, the, the best time of the month. Uh, I saw uh, a skeleton holding another skeleton by the ankle <laughs> while I was driving to go get groceries. So that was cool. <laughs> it seems like a strange thing for skeletons to do, but all right. Yeah, well, it was, like, one of the really tall, like, 20-foot, like, Home Depot skeletons, so, you know, people always have fun with those. Ah, I see. Yeah. So it was, like, it was like more like, oh, this is the parent skeleton disciplining their kid, I guess. Don't hang your kids by their ankles, please, as well. That's cruelty. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, uh, it's like the picture that goes around every year of, like, the house that has, like, the skeletons that look like they're, like, storming it, like they're trying to climb in or whatever, <laughs> like, scaling the sides of it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's always just fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, yeah, but, like, in particular, like, the holidays we're actually talking about here, it's, like, it still kind of sucks that you, there's really not many uh, holiday specials that are not just about Christmas. <laughs> like, you occasionally have, like, a few about Thanksgiving. Like, again, mm -hmm. I I think I remembered this last year that uh, Hey Arnold has that uh, Thanksgiving episode as well about Mr. Simmons' family sucking. Like, way worse than Arnold and Helga's family, so they're like, maybe we should give our other families a second chance. Although, to be fair, Helga's family still sucks. <laughs> I guess, but I'm kind of glad there aren't specials for Colonizer Day. I mean... I mean, well, yeah, but like I meant like more in particular, like, uh, holiday specials for, like, you know, winter holidays. Like, well, when sure, I was I thinking... Guess. That's the like example when... you gave. Yeah, yeah true, yeah. But, but, like, I mean, like, when I think about it, it's like, the only one I could think of for, like, Hanukkah was, like, that Rugrat special. Mm -hmm. so, that makes you know, sense. Cause, yeah, because like they did one of that for Hanukkah and Christmas because uh, like Tommy's Jewish on his mom's side, I guess. But yeah, it's like I can't think of any other one, and especially also like Kwanzaa. Just can't think about it. Every like fucking Hallmark movie or like TV special is always about Christmas. Well, I mean, I don't know any Kwanzaa specials. I'll give you that, but I know quite a few Hanukkah ones thanks to uh, having, you know, my partner is Jewish, so. 
I mean, yeah, like, I guess actually I was about to say, uh, well, the only other one I can think of top of my head is Eight Crazy Nights, which probably is not <laughs> representative of the Jewish community because it's Adam Sandler. You know, weirdly, it pops up on lists of the best Hanukkah movies pretty often, and I suspect that's maybe just because there's not enough of them. Yeah, like, I always think back to the commercial where he's, like, humping a car or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay, I, that memory is intact then, I guess, because I was like, I have to have imagined that, right? That there's just a TV commercial for A Crazy Nights where he's something in the car? Nope, that's just real, I guess. Cool. <laughs> I mean, I, also, I think of that in terms of, like, oh, the, like, there's also that Bad Santa movie where he's also fucking the pinball machine by humping it, and it's like, yep, cool, cool, great. <laughs> it's definitely what you should have on normal time TV. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, which other yeah. ones are there, though? Um, I mean, I'm not going to give a comprehensive list. There's so many, but, yeah, like, but like, the ones the that ones immediately you... spring to mind, yeah. uh, Elena of Avalor just recently had an episode oh, uh, right. that's a currently yeah, running Disney show. Yeah, um, we've talked about that occasionally because there's like some bits where if like covering voice actors where they've had voice actors that also are characters on that show. Yeah. That's um. It. One of the ones that was brought up to me as a strong contender for today was the Pepper Ann special from roughly the same time period as what I'm covering. Uh, what is Pepper Ann? It was a Disney Channel show. You don't remember Pepper Ann? No. Wow. Brutal. I... Okay. Oh, wait. Okay, I recognize this now just based on the character design. I never actually remembered that it was called Pepper Ann. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have at least, like, seen this character. I don't think I've seen the show, though. But, like, it definitely was like, oh, yeah, no, I recognize this now, at least. I just had no idea it was called that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, um, what is it? Spidey and His Amazing Friends, which is a Disney Junior show, just did a Rosh Hashanah episode, and it's it's definitely there, you know? Okay, it's... yeah. It's just that, like, of those you just mentioned off the top of your head, it's, like, two of them are more recent, which I feel like is, like, again, like, them trying to, like, be like, we should probably be a little bit more inclusive and all, because mm -hmm. the 2020s compared to, you know, again, I'm thinking back to, like, growing up as a kid, where it's, like, the only one I could think of was the, the Rockrat episode. Yeah. And, I mean, there's definitely stuff like, um, in Phineas and Ferb, one of the main characters, Isabella, is Jewish. But she's still there for the Christmas specials. She just kind of hangs out with everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, to be fair, like, I mean, Phil, Lil, and Tucky are also there for the Hanukkah special, too. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, it makes sense Angelica is because, like, I mean, she's Tony's cousin and all, so she would also be half Jewish because that's, uh... Oh, wait, no, no, no. She's... No, she's not half Jewish. No, because it's on Dee Dee's side of the family. Who's the mom. Although, and, like, now I think about it, in that Phineas and Ferb episode, Santa is also Jewish, so... <laughs> hmm. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, but, like, I, I at least, like, understand why it would make sense that, like, they'd invite, uh, like, Stu's uh, brother Drew and his family, just because, yeah, <laughs> they're, like, family related to Stu, even if Stu's not Jewish himself. That at least makes sense. Makes no sense why Chucky film Lola there. <laughs> I don't remember if their parents are there. The kids, I definitely remember the kids are there. I don't remember if their parents are there. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's a little early, but since you're talking about it anyway, would you like to get into my episode for this week? Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, uh, unless you want to hear me talk about Liza P real quick. Although I can wait till next week with that, I guess. Uh, yeah, we can wait until that's more chronologically appropriate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a spooky season game, and this is supposed to be not spooky season, so I can wait Yeah, exactly. 
I've also only played like five hours, so like I was only a little bit past where the demo ended anyway. It's the loveliest time of year. You can walk into any given department store and find a cardigan with skulls on it. I love it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't have any though. I still don't have any like Halloween earrings either. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's all I've got, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, also, like, our aesthetics are different, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> ones I'm wearing right now are a skull and crossbones and a safety pin. Wait, <sighs> just, like, a safety pin? Just, like, a regular safety pin? Well, it's it's designed to mimic that aesthetic, but it isn't oh, okay. Your okay, I was about to say, because, like, I don't think you're really supposed to just put other stuff in your ear. <laughs> like sure. That. I mean, that's... <laughs> Part of why it became a hallmark of the punk aesthetic is because you can just wear them as earrings if you have the appropriate gauge. I guess. I, I guess I'm just thinking along the lines of, like, uh, just making sure that thing's sanitary, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously you got to do that, but... Yeah. I don't know. I, I just don't, like... I mean, I haven't really even tried necessarily, like, any of, like, the hoop earrings because I don't like having to, like, feel like, oh, i got to feed this out of, like, a little bit of an angle as it rounds down, and I'm just like, nope, uh, I'm just not interested in that. <laughs> Well, yeah. So anything that's, like, outside the normal, like, earring shape, I guess, is just, like, me being like, nope. I don't really like dangles, if I'm honest. Anything that's more than... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, I got a new, like, like multi-set of earrings, and, like, one of them is, like, one of those uh, dangle sets that has, like, the part that attaches on, like, the backing. And it's, like, it's nice because it's, like, uh, green. Like, it's, like, a nice green dangle-down earring that mm -hmm. I hadn't really had before, but, like, the entire time wearing them at work when I did so, like last week, I was just like being so cautious of like, okay, well, uh, I have to take my glasses out to clean them off. Oh, make sure you don't feed those into that because that's going to fucking hurt. <laughs> <laughs> just basically being like, where are these things? I can barely even feel them when I move my head back and forth because they don't like jingle or anything. <laughs> I recently got a, a ear cuff and it's very cool. It's like a... It, it imitates flames, and it sort of curves along with your ear. You put it in the piercing at the bottom, and then it hooks over the top of your ear. But as I discovered very quickly, it is terrible when you are just, like, in casual conversation or, like, trying to sit on a couch with your partner because then you've just got this sheet of metal stuck to your head. And mm, Yeah, that might be an issue. <laughs> uh-huh, yep. <sighs> Suffer for the aesthetic. Um... <laughs> But yeah, uh, alright. I suspect we may go a little longer this episode, because we're kind of rolling in on new series that we don't normally cover, so there may be background information, so let's let's just jump in, shall we? Okay. Yeah, uh, so, my episode this week, the only thing we told each other before we got into these were the years that they came from, and apparently there was some miscommunication there, so it's possible we may have double-picked, I hope not, but... Uh, uh, well, uh, you know, if we do, we'll just pretend I heard nothing, I guess, when I do my own synopsis. So <laughs> We can do that, yeah. Just synopsize the same episode twice. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. Um, my episode is Rugrats Season 4, Episode 1, Hanukkah. Okay, good. We did not pick the same. <laughs> I'll tell you that outright. Spoilers, you did not pick the same. <laughs> Which is, again, hilarious because I brought it up. Because, again, it's like the only one I could think of that was not a Christmas episode. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's like you you were talking about it earlier. And so I tried to divert right into my episode because we were talking about mm, it. And then yeah. we got distracted. <laughs> True. 
Uh, yes. Um, Rugrats, of course, for those unfamiliar with it, is a franchise about babies doing baby things. Um, primary characters are Tommy Pickles, who is brave and clever, but not exactly smart because he is a baby. Uh, the cowardly but loyal Chucky Finster, Phil and Lil, who are twins and also gross, that is their entire character. And Angelica, yeah. who is slightly <laughs> older and also a manipulative bully. Uh... <laughs> we, we say slightly older. Angelica's three, if I'm remembering correctly, right? Cause, like, I think she is four. I'm not super sure about cause, like, that. Because I, I distinctly remember Tommy turns one in the very first episode, because it's literally like Tommy's first birthday episode. Mm -hmm. So he might be two by the time they introduce his brother, because I guess... I mean, to be fair, I guess you could still have a kid within that time frame if you basically started getting down to business right as soon as the first kid was born, which you probably <laughs> uh, shouldn't do. Give that kid some time. Because uh, I always remembered, like, I think Lil and Phil are, like, two or just shy of two, and I'm pretty sure Chucky's, like, two or two and a half? Yeah, Chucky is the second oldest after Angelica. Um, yeah. But he's also the cowardliest, so he tends to sit back and do nothing while the younger kids lead. Um, okay, apparently Tommy, Phil, and Lil are always just one in the show. Chucky is two. <laughs> hmm. Okay, isn't, fair enough. Isn't, uh, isn't is Susie, like, the same age as Angelica, or is yes. she older, yes, she too? Is. Okay, I was, like, thinking for some reason, just because Susie seems to be the one who actually knows shit as much as a child can, I thought that she was, like, close to, like, four or something. But also, nah, she, does, she does know more than Angelica, to be fair, a lot of it is because Angelica's bullshitting. <laughs> well, yes. That's, you know, over the course of the series, of course, Susie and Dill and uh, Kimmy get added, but none right, of them Kimmy, are relevant yeah, today because they don't exist yet. So Right, I was trying to remember <laughs> Chucky's uh, half-sister's name, yeah. Uh, I mean, Kimiko, but Kimmy most of the time. Did it even, oh right, yeah, because like, I'm pretty sure when she's introduced in that movie, she does say Kimiko, but then she just says Kimmy. And then everybody just always calls her Kimmy and never Kimiko again, right? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Meanwhile, Kimiko is not the hardest name to pronounce. I get that, you know, the audience of like some like Rugrats is kids, but still. Well, I mean, it's not like they're going around calling Tommy Thomas all the time. I guess. Is that <laughs> is, is Tommy his actual like is Thomas his actual name? I don't know, but that's what Tommy is short for, generally speaking. I'm looking at that. Well, it might be just Tom, and they call him Tommy because he's a Yeah, baby. Thomas Malcolm Pickles. Wait, he has a... Oh, I guess his middle name is probably from, like, all grown up, right? Uh, no idea. Maybe. Something like that. Oh, so, God, I just... I'm looking at the wiki entry for him, and it's like, God, I forgot about the all grown up character designs. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is a crucial <laughs> thing to understand about Rugrats, is that they are ugly, and deliberately so. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's, it's a very it's, specific stylized kind of ugly, but everyone in this show is ugly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny actually because uh, alluding to the show, I picked the art style and the characters and that are also kind of ugly. But that's also I get the style of the show. But it's like, wow, this aired like around the same time as Hey Arnold when the, I picked that last year, and Hey Arnold just looks miles fucking better. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's. It has a very distinct aesthetic, is what I will say. So, uh, Hanukkah. We open in Israel about 2200 years ago. Uh, Grandma Minka is speaking over us, and she's telling us that the Jewish people lived in peace with the nearby Greeks until a new king of the Greeks, Antiochus, showed up and invaded Israel. Uh, 
he made them wear what he wore and read what he read, and also they have to worship his gods. And we get a couple of, like, imagination inserts of our main characters here, being handed these Greek outfits and books, and Angelica is our Antiochus here. Her god, of course, is uh, the doll Cynthia, which is sort of an off-brand Barbie. Um, we are told that some people liked this new way of living, and there's just a very quick joke with Phil and Lil here. They, despite being disgusting, they are the only ones to ever actually say each other's full names, which makes them sound weirdly proper. It's kind of the Bill and Ted like yeah, phenomena there. It's always like whenever they're surprised, they always go like Philip and Lillian. Like they say each yeah, other's mm-hmm. full names like that. Yeah. Like even their parents never call them that. I think they just always call them Phil and Lil. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, in this instance, uh, Lil calls her brother Philistine because we're doing Israel jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it also, like, didn't they also write out their dad from, like, the reboot? <laughs> yes, he's just not in the reboot. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was that where it's like, well, we have to also, like, have a little bit more representation here, so their mom is just a single mom. Yeah, 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 you know, how it is. It, mm-hmm. and, but fairly sure she's gay in the reboot also. Um, yeah, I, I think we heard that too, I feel like, at least once. But she's not in this episode, so she doesn't matter. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I was correct there, being like, I don't think the other parents show up, right? They just don't? Nope, neither she nor her husband are in this episode. But they they, they take the kids to Hanukkah celebration at church, I guess. <laughs> yeah. We gotta we gotta show these babies culture, even if the parents don't care. I mean, maybe they're on a date night, who knows. Um, but we get it cuts to Chucky and Tommy, who are hiding in the cave, where they have tra- hidden their traditional clothes and the Torah scroll. Chucky is afraid of getting in trouble with the king, but Tommy doesn't care, because he thinks it's not fair for the king to tell them that they can't read the stories their parents and grandparents did. Which, you know, given that it's the Torah, we get shots of like Noah and Jonah and Moses and... Then a Greek guard shows up. This is also a baby, but it's not a character. It's just kind of a generic baby. And uh, though Tommy and Chucky try to pretend they're just playing with their dreidels, he finds the Torah and steals it. Because that's the kind of story we're telling. (laughs) Um, This is, of course, the last straw for Tommy, who in this flashback story is playing the role of Judah the Maccabee. Um, If you are familiar with the series, you may be familiar with Tommy's catchphrase, a baby's gotta do what a baby's gotta do. And as Judah the Maccabee sets forth to challenge the king, uh, we get a new play on this catchphrase, which is a Maccabee's gotta do what a Maccabee's gotta do. Because, again, we're doing Israel jokes. Um, (laughs) I'm suddenly having so many flashbacks of this episode, because until you mentioned that they're doing just flashbacks retelling, like, basically the story of Moses, I was like, wow, I don't... I mean, I'm not uh, of Judah. <laughs> Judah, Judah, sorry. <laughs> there, I think there was an episode where they also played out the story of Moses, to be fair. I think that was the past, the, like, the, the Easter episode, like, the Passover episode. Sorry, I'm getting it mixed up. <laughs> but I also, but I still had forgotten that they do just straight up do, like, here's just the retelling of it with the babies in the roles. And, uh, yeah, so Judah leads the Maccabees in a series of daring guerrilla raids against Antiochus, occupying forces, but conveniently we cut out of the story right before we get to any battles, so we don't have to see babies fighting. Um, Grandma Minka telling the story is interrupted by Tommy's mom, Didi. Uh, she needs help with the latkes in the kitchen. Um, so we cut out to the present day, where the kids were sitting around listening to the story, but Angelica is just happy that it's over, because she wants to watch the very Cynthia Christmas special. It's... It, it's... 
an internal meta joke, yeah. Yeah, even in the Hanukkah special, they still have to bring up Christmas, huh? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> of course, Cynthia is basically the Barbie of this world, so it's like, you know, Barbie yeah. has a new movie every 20 minutes, so that's... <laughs> True, but like Angelica, like, you still have like two, like roughly like two weeks between now and Christmas. You got time to watch it. Focus on the other holiday. <laughs> I know that your side of the family's not Jewish, but come on. <laughs> yeah, well. <sighs> oh, actually, does Angelica, Angelica probably doesn't get Christmas every night of Hanukkah, huh? Just because their family's not Jewish fully. Um, like, even if they, even if they basically are observing it here with like, uh, like Dee Dee's side of the family, Angelica might not. So she might actually not like Hanukkah if she doesn't get presents. <laughs> Well, I mean, she doesn't get presents, that's true enough. Her family doesn't observe in that way, but we'll get her opinion on that shortly. Okay. Um, in the kitchen, uh, we have Dee Dee explaining to Charles, who is Chucky's dad, what latkes are and the significance of them, which is to say that the miracle of Hanukkah was that uh, excess oil in the temple, and so they eat food fried in oil to celebrate this. Though Grandpa Boris appears and claims that the miracle is, in fact, that they have been eating fried foods for 2,000 years and are still alive. Um, he's a weird, weird dude. Yeah, I, I, I distinctly remember, based on, like, just from what I can think off the top of my head about Dee Dee's parents, aren't they always kind of, in, like, portrayed as being like, oh yeah, that's nice, Dad, like Dee Dee always being like, oh yeah, sure, whatever you say, uh-huh, and, like, nobody paying a fucking attention to them at all or something? Well, I'm going to be honest, I'm not familiar with the Rugrats enough to tell you that generally, but in this oh, okay. episode, they're taken very seriously. Well, yeah, I mean, like, they're, they're like, the... They're, like, the main characters, yeah. Yeah, like, this is this is basically, again, to my recollection, I think, from Rugrats, like, the only episode where they really are, like, the focal point. Interesting, okay. Because I, I feel like a lot of time, it's just, like, they're just there being like, oh, maybe they're watching the babies or something, if, like, Dee Dee's busy or whatever, because she's also, like, a teacher and all, or, like... Mm -hmm. They're usually just there, I think, to just, like, be comedy, I think. Especially her dad, I think, distinctly. Yeah. So Charles uh, points out that Boris made the front page of the newspaper because the seniors group at the synagogue is putting on a play about the true meaning of Hanukkah. And uh, he's thrilled that this made the front page of the newspaper because, boy, it must have been a slow news day. But then he me... sees that a picture of his rival Shlomo got put on the page instead of him. Uh... Sorry, I had to pause there for a sec because, like, are you calling Chucky his, his like, proper name? But it's like, oh, wait, no, Charles is his dad, right? Yep. Wait, aren't yeah. they? <laughs> wait. But aren't they both Charles? <laughs> I mean, I would assume Chucky is Charles Jr. Wait, isn't his dad Chaz, though? I thought He is Hang referred on. to as Charles in this episode, so that's the name I gave him. Chaz would I'm be looking... a nickname for Charles. Charles Norbert Chaz Finster. So they're both named Charles. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know don't... what's weird about that. People well, do like, that all the, the time. Yeah, but like he's not like referred to like as like Charles Jr. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a chain restaurant. <laughs> 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 Maybe that's why they couldn't get away with calling him Charles Jr. or Chucky. I guess that's why they always call him Chucky, and then there's like a the few times that they call him Charles, and most of the time they always just call it that jazz. <laughs> I mean, that might be the joke, is that he's Charles Jr. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Come get the five dollar burger now. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, um, but yes, so Shlomo is, um, 
essentially Grandpa Boris's nemesis ever since they were kids in school together back in Russia, because Grandpa Boris is a Russian immigrant. And um, Shlomo was always just constantly outdoing Boris in whatever way he possibly could, including starting what is only referred to as a fancy business. We don't know what that business is. Um, <laughs> back in the living room, um, Lil is playing with dreidels, by which I mean chewing on them, and complains that they don't taste as good as clay, because she eats clay, you see. That's the joke. Yeah, I... I... The twins, the twins definitely have a habit of eating like just like the grossest shit. <laughs> yep, they surely do. <laughs> yep, it was the style at the time. It's like, well, it's the show about babies, so of course you have to have a bunch of nasty shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Straight up, just one episode where they show Angelica like throw up on her dad too. That's gross. <laughs> yep. Fun. Um. <laughs> Phil yeah. is also here, complaining that uh, gilt coins don't taste as good as the ones from under the living room couch, which is weird because they are chocolate. Like, he's fully eating chocolate and complaining that it doesn't taste as good as floor trash, but whatever. Well, yeah, they, you know, they're not aged. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like a fine wine. You gotta let the chocolate age under the couch. <laughs> viewers, please. Uh, the view- I keep saying viewers when I do this. Listeners, please don't do this. <laughs> don't eat food that's on the floor for ages. Yes, don't take your dietary advice from the grossest babies. <laughs> yeah, also that, yeah. You know, don't listen to me on first off here, but also, again, don't listen to the fucking babies. They're kids. <laughs> they don't know any better. <laughs> They're intentionally gross. <laughs> Indeed they are. Um, so Tommy doesn't really know what either of those things are, is the thing. And it's even weirder, though, because there's a weird smell going on, and there's a brief poop joke about Lil having pooped herself. But actually, no, the weird smell is, uh, his mom is making pancakes, and it's nighttime, so she shouldn't be making pancakes. That doesn't make any sense. And also, there's, like, a weird thing on the mantel place that has a bunch of lights on it, and he doesn't know what it is, but every night they make him wear a weird hat while Boris says words he doesn't understand when they light it. And, I mean, what they're doing is lighting the... Okay, so we need to get into some semantics here. (laughs) (laughs) The word that is going to be used in this episode every time is menorah. They always say menorah in this episode. However, that is not strictly accurate, because the word menorah is just lamp. Like, any lamp can be a menorah. The the overhead light in your bedroom is a menorah. The word for this specifically is Hanukkah. It's just that that's not, like, widely known among people who don't speak Hebrew is the thing, so... Yeah, again, it like, kind of just reads maybe like, you know, the people at Nickelodeon at the time were like, let's do an episode look inclusive here by having both the Christmas and the Hanukkah specials for regrets, even if uh, some of it doesn't seem fully accurate. Well, no, it's not. Menorah is the commonly used word when talking to English speakers, so I believe that Fair, this is yeah. just an adaption for accessibility. It's True. just like, that's not the precise term, if that makes sense. So... I will generally say Hanukkah, because that is what I'm familiar with through my understanding with my partner, but mm-hmm. they use menorah in the episode, so there you go. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what's happening here is they're 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 lighting the candles on the Hanukkah, and they're having Tommy wear a tiny little yarmulke, and Boris is praying in Hebrew as they light the, 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 the Hanukkah, but Tommy is a baby, so he doesn't understand any of that. It's just that he gets presents afterwards, so... <laughs> It's a pretty cool deal for him. He gets a ha- nice hat and also presents. I know, right? I mean, he's still one is the thing. So, like, obviously, like, anything they get him isn't, like, presents, presents, really. It's just baby stuff. Like, it's just, like, clothes and st- toys, I guess. And it's, like, you know, 
also thinking back to it, why would he know what pancakes are? Because he's not, he's still a baby. He doesn't have teeth. He can't <laughs> eat pancakes. <laughs> like it, it's not like a baby can gum a pancake until it gets soft enough to swallow. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, baby... pancakes are pretty soft. Hang on, hang on. Yeah, I get. I'm looking it up. Can babies eat pancakes? <laughs> babies can have a little pancakes as a treat. Um. <laughs> Pancakes no, may be introduced as soon as baby is ready to start solids, which is generally around six months of age, as long as they do not contain honey. All right, because honey is bad for babies, right? Mm -hmm. I guess yep. it's just like, again, yeah, I guess if it's just small enough, like, you know, they might just gum it eventually, but eventually it'll work its way down, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'm just thinking in terms of, like, obviously you're not giving a kid the whole pancake and just letting <laughs> him go to town on it. Yeah. <laughs> to be like, eh, figure it out. You'll, you'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> We only actually see one of Tommy's presents, and it is apparently a pillow, but it is a pillow in the shape of a horrible monster face that Chucky is afraid of, so I don't know what's going on over here. Oh, right, I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Again, there's just like little flashes of this episode that's like, oh, right, I do remember the monster pillow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I've probably not seen this episode in at least 20... Sorry, I've probably not seen this episode in at least 25 years, <laughs> just to put it in context. <laughs> uh, yeah i mean that's reasonable i don't think they're getting reruns mm, no, i can hmm, they might have done reruns like before the reboot and everything maybe just to like hype up the reboot or something or i'd also imagine that like maybe like nickelodeon would have also like just done reruns in like sometime in like the early 2010s or something because i feel like they did that with a lot of their older shows uh, i mean maybe on like the nicktoons channel but on Nickelodeon yeah. Prime, I don't think. Yeah, Nickel. I mean, Nickelodeon Prime is like basically just SpongeBob. Let's be fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't even know what else there is on Nickelodeon these days. To be fair, <laughs> they used to have Cora, and then they uh, killed off Cora and sent it downline, and Cora's done. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, they sure did. Um. Yeah, so the uh, um, Lil suggests that maybe what's going on with all these candles is that it's Tommy's birthday, but he's confused, of course, because there's another one every day. So she suggests instead that maybe he's just having all of his birthdays at once and he's a grown-up now, so he has to get a job. Um, yeah, you know, it's that, it's that so many birthdays episode of Steven Universe where Steven realizes the gems are like 6,000 years old and they never celebrate a birthday because they don't know what it is, so he tries to get 6,000 years of her birthdays in for them in one day. <laughs> and then he accidentally feels old because they don't really appreciate it so he actually rapidly ages himself until he's about to literally almost die until they're able to figure out a way to make him stop doing that Cause yeah that makes sense gem stuff it's fun there's so many episodes of the universe that are goofy and then for every goofy one there's like ah uh, this is fucked <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a weird show it's also again very <laughs> very fucking long <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. um yeah, so Tommy doesn't really think he's having all these birthdays, but he agrees to blow out the candles and make a wish, so they start to climb up the entertainment center to try and blow out the candles on the Hanukkah. But Angelica interrupts them because they are blocking the TV, because remember, this is the 90s, so the TV sits in an entertainment center, which is like a solid block of wood that holds the TV and the VCR, and maybe mm -hmm. the cable box. Um, yep. Maybe an NES, if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and of course, she knows it's not Tommy's birthdays, so she just sort of berates them for not knowing what, and I'm very sorry for the sound I'm about to make, but this is how she says it, Hanukkah is, and yeah. it's... Yep, I read this, mm -hmm. remember that too. Yep, yep. bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, not fun. Uh, 
And so, so she emphasizes the necessity of making that sound, which I'm not going to repeat. So we have a little no. moment of all the babies trying to do it and just spitting all over themselves. Um, but I mean, that's uh, basically which... what it sounds like when Angelica does it. It sounds like she's trying to hawk up a loogie more than say Hanukkah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really does. <sighs> I mean, there is like a Hanukkah, right? The, the but not yeah. the way she does it. <laughs> But yes, um, the thing is, is that to her, Hanukkah is the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas when all the best specials on t are on TV. That is a direct quote. Uh, speaking of which, they should all shut up because it's time for Cynthia. Uh, so we cut to Grandpa Lou and Stu, who are... Stu is Tommy's dad, and Grandpa Lou is his other grandpa. We have both of his grandparents here, but like Phil and Lil's parents just aren't, so... <laughs> God, I also um, just now realized that, realized that Lou named his kids Stu and Drew, just to keep mm -hmm, up a rhyming mm -hmm. convention. Yep. <laughs> I want to know if Lou had any siblings, and also if like what his dad's name was, too. <laughs> see if he... Wait, I need to look this up now. Grandpa Lou, but... <laughs> Uh, this, uh, I need to see if he had any uh, other family listed. <laughs> uh, I'm not seeing anything. Just uh, that his wife is... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a thing in, like, I want to say, like, season two or three, where he meets Lulu, who becomes his new wife, because his first mm -hmm. wife passed away some years prior. Yeah, I just mean, like, Lou and Lulu is all... Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. yep. True. Yeah. Yeah. There is that. I guess. Uh, yeah. Like no, no other like family member. Uh, no, he's apparently at some point Sparky Pickles, which was his brother, is mentioned, but he's also passed away before the show begins. So there was one Pickles in his family line that did not have that same rhyming name. Also, I guess Tommy also is not rhyming with Lou. Well, no, well. but I mean Sparky is definitely a nickname. <laughs> Uh, well, he doesn't have a link, link on the wiki, so I can't speak, speak for sure about Sparky. <laughs> Listen, this is a grandparent who would have been from about 1940-ish. No way yeah, does his real name be Sparky. Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, when you put it that way, of like he grew up like around the time of World War II, it's like, yeah, that's probably a nickname. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, so anyway, Lou and Stu are in the basement, where Stu, who is an inventor, that's his profession, he has constructed a truly monstrous, uh, Hanukkah. It's, like, 12 feet tall, and Lou is kind of worried that this is going overboard, but Stu wants Tommy to be proud of his heritage, and so he had to go the extra mile by constructing a machine that is guaranteed to terrify any baby to death. <laughs> uh... <laughs> also, I'll point out, you say that Stu's uh you know job as inventor it's really not a job necessarily there's multiple episodes about him just having like no success with this stuff hey he went like, to rugrats to sell he went to paris to sell a reptar like yeah yeah well that's the one exception yeah the reptar that he like the reptar that he made i think he also made the reptar car from the first movie he sure I did say. yeah like those are like the two exceptions he made he he got a corporate deal, I guess, to make Reptar branded nonsense. In one case, basically <laughs> one of them being basically just Mecha Godzilla. So yeah, he fully I'll... made a mech. Yeah, but also, but it's like it's so funny where it's like, okay, he makes a little car. That's fine. That's like, you know, it's it's impressive. I guess it's a kid's toy. Whatever. How does he go from being like failure inventor to like basically making like those like toy like. RC, not RC cars, but like the cars that like kids have, like the trucks and stuff like that when they're like three that they drive around <laughs> that are powered on a battery. How does he go from being like complete flunk out 
to building that to then making a fucking Jaeger. Because <laughs> I'm also pretty sure, if I remember correctly, don't the kids pilot by literally doing like a walking thing on like a treadmill in yep. a sense? Yeah, like that's yeah, there's like gloves a and a helmet and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, where's the where's the portal? Uh, where's Glados? His voice actor. It says the AI inside the Reptar. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's such a weird fucking thing because like again, there's multiple episodes about like DD basically like being like, you're, look, guy, you're you're not getting anywhere with this really. Maybe you should look at a nine to five. Maybe to have this be a hobby. And maybe you can pursue later on. We have a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It, it's just funny how you say he's professional as inventor when it's like, he's not getting paid for it. <laughs> I disagree. He definitely sold that Reptar. <laughs> I mean, yes, he get, he sold it, but that's also the movies. That's two different instances. For the most part, he makes no income. <laughs> well, he... Okay, fine. <laughs> I'm just, you know, the movies have to be canon because that's where Kimi comes from. Oh yeah, from. I, yeah, no, I mean they are. I mean the, the first movie to where Dill comes from. Yeah, they are. They are canon. It's just, yeah. again, it's just it's in the main show of like he's just a washout inventor who doesn't get paid or anything to the point where there's multiple episodes devoted to him not really supporting the family at all, to then making a car, to then making a fucking robot that. The kids pilot by walking throughout Paris and causing mischief and mayhem. <laughs> well, see, they have to drift, though, because they're too small because it was built for an adult human, so they need all of them. <laughs> but no, because only one of them has the helmet. I don't think you can say they're in the drift if only one of them has the helmet. <laughs> I think they're in the drift if one of them is doing the walking. <laughs> Maybe, but also Dill's not doing anything, to be fair. He's just there in a high chair. <laughs> well, that's true, but Kimmy isn't exactly contributing here. <laughs> Well, no, because they're, like, they're basically, like, falling or something at this point. All of them are just hanging on for dear life. <laughs> These are the strongest uh, babies possible. <laughs> also, okay. I, don't think I don't think Angelica's with them on that. I think she's at the church or something. Uh, yes, she is elsewhere. Yeah, I didn't think so. Um, anyway, yes, so this horrifying machine is fully 12 feet tall, and yeah, alright, it's electric candles, but it's also a pipe organ that's playing Havanagila, and it's also, like, bottle rockets that are attached to a Star of David that force it to spin around super fast, and it's also tiny animatronic dancing men, and it's also giant spinning dreidels, and, of course, surprising no one familiar with this series, when he turns it on, it explodes, so... Yeah, again, um, pointing out that he's a failure of an inventor until the movies need him to be successful. <laughs> well, it only explodes a little bit, though, because it, it's it's not bad enough. Okay, he can fix it. That's an improvement from most of his stuff, at the least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that said, it is time to go, though, so Stu tells Didi to go on ahead and he'll meet her there. Although, he does forget the word synagogue, which is interesting to me because he's like, he's going so overboard and doing this ridiculous thing because he wants Tommy to be proud of his heritage, but he doesn't bother to learn the word synagogue. It's, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I feel like he could be a more supportive partner. <laughs> um, again, if, yeah. <laughs> like, again, it's like, he doesn't want to deal with, like, the corporate soul-sucking kind of job, but at the same time, again, he has a one-year-old and will be having another kid on the way <laughs> by the time of the first movie. It's like, dude, you kind of have to get it together, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it isn't clear at this point, Dee Dee and her parents are the Jewish side of the family. Stu is not, so, you know, he's... Mm -hmm. 
he's really just been with her for however long and not, like, taken the time to learn anything except the very stereotypical stuff. Um, yeah, I, I want to say they've only been married for, like, maybe three years, I think, at this point. Heck I, if I, I know. I feel like there's, like, a point where they mention that they're, like, it's not been very long since they actually got married, because it's, like, they had, like, a few years after that before they had Tommy. I don't, I don't like the distinctly know but i think it's like something like that because i don't think they're like old i think they're more in their like 30s or so like early 30s i could not begin to tell you the art style prevents me from even hazarding yeah a guess at uh, their fair age. yeah uh, uh they don't say anything about her age mm. uh. hmm. to be fair i'm on wikipedia not the actual wiki for rugrats well only. yeah but okay she's 30 all. she's 32 in rugrats Okay. <laughs> that, that tracks, yeah. Like they, they they got married, I guess, like in their like early thirties, like late twenties, and stuff like that, and then basically had Tommy from the first, the year. Yeah, because she was thirty three. Okay, there we go. Okay, <laughs> figured it out. Um, <laughs> at any rate, we get a brief cut to the TV, which is playing promos for. There's a Santa Claus versus the Martians joke here, and then we start a very Cynthia Christmas. But Boris interrupts us because he's still mad about the newspaper because uh, Shlomo is going to be playing King Antiochus in this play, and apparently he only took the role because it meant he would get to poke Boris with a sword, and he's very annoyed about that. <laughs> and then Dee Dee turns the TV off because it is time to go. And Angelica objects, of course, but they're going to go see Grandpa Boris's play about the meaning of Hanukkah. Angelica straight up just says she does not care about the meaning of Hanukkah, but no one listens and she's forced to go anyway. And... <laughs> Um, as Boris walks out the door he just kind of throws the newspaper on the floor swearing that this play will be the end of him and the babies are left behind for some reason I'm not super clear on what's happening here but Tommy and Chucky and Phil and Lil are still here but Angelica was forced to go I don't I, it, I, I'm trying sorry I was trying to look up if Shalomo is a character that comes up in Rugrats at all I seem to not see anything here I think he's only in this episode but the very first picture I found of him is him stabbing Tommy's grandpa with the sword <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... that is that is the preview for Shalomo slash gallery <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think he's only I don't think he's ever in any other episode <laughs> that would because... surprise me I believe they got a celebrity voice actor for him Oh, maybe. Uh, uh, oh, God. I'm, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this fully. Vush Finkel? F-Y-V-U-S-H? Yeah, he, he passed away back in 2016. Uh, yeah, sorry. I, I don't know the, pron mm -hmm. the proper pronunciation, but yeah, it seems like he... Yeah, yeah, because he was on like a, a serious man in Boston Public. Yeah, he was on a fair number of things, yes. Yeah, pick offenses. Yeah. So, yeah, it makes sense that this would... It's just funny that he's like, oh, my, like, long-time rival. Like, even the wiki mentions that they've been rivals since kids and everything, and he shows up once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe that's five-ish, yes. Um, regardless, okay, um, <laughs> the... I was agreeing with you. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you were correct. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I already had forgotten how I tried to pronounce it. <laughs> I was trying my best in terms of, like, uh, like we as actor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so he threw this newspaper on the floor for some reason, despite the fact that, you know, they're going to have to come back here. Rude. But, um... 
The babies misheard this whole conversation because they think that they're seeing the meanie, or M-E-A-N-I-E, of Hanukkah. And seeing Shlomo's picture on the newspaper, they decide that this must be the meanie. Uh, they're very upset because when Chucky had to play with a meanie at the playground, said meanie made him lick the slide and then put a worm on his head. And uh, since this meanie is a grown-up, it's probably going to be way worse for Tommy's grandpa. I mean, yeah, he gets stabbed. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, way worse. Grandpa <laughs> <laughs> Boris is just fucking dead. Rip. <laughs> um, Chucky only got saved from this when the teacher put the bully down for a nap. So Tommy decides that they have to go find the meaning of Hanukkah and put him down for a nap. And then we get a shot of Dee Dee and wheeling the kids into synagogue, which is confusing to me because, like, she left with Boris and Minka earlier and Angelica, and now she has the kids with her. I I don't know what the sequence of events is here, but that's where we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Angelica and Chucky are walking, of course, because they're the oldest ones. And uh, as they head in, they do like an inventory check of the stuff that they've brought with them to bring to put the meanie down for a nap. They've got like a blanket and a nightlight and Tommy's monster pillow. And when they get inside, they're greeted with a festival in uh, the, 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 the antechamber. I don't I, I don't know the word for this. It's like the, the gathering area outside the actual temple sanctuary. Yeah, it's yeah. But most churches have these, I think. But I don't know the word. Um. But yeah, it's nice. It's like there's a festival going on and craft booths and a latke contest. It seems like a pretty cool thing to experience. Uh, Angelica has a latke, which she's thrilled about because maybe she's not getting to see her show, but, you know, at least they get pancakes at night. Until she takes a bite out of it and discovers that it's made from potatoes, which she hates, so she throws it on the floor. <laughs> you can see she's getting her behavior from Grandpa here. Oh, wait, no, I was about to say, I don't think I'd ever actually had, like, a potato pancake, but then I realized I did actually have one at some point. Oh, they're great. Yeah, I think, weirdly enough, it might have been, like, elementary school. I think, like, maybe a teacher brought them in, because, like, it was, like, during Hanukkah. That would make sense, yeah. Yeah, and they wanted... I think the teacher themselves might have been Jewish, or it might have been that there was, like, enough students there that they were like, well, eh, let's celebrate it anyway. <laughs> you know, at least observe it here. So, like, yeah, I think I've actually had some of those. I've definitely had matzah, I know that, but also matzah is more just, like, a, like, Passover in general thing, rather than, yeah. like, Jewish, yeah. But definitely, when I lived in Germany, we had, um, units on Hanukkah around that time mm -hmm. of year, so it wasn't just Christmas, so I don't yeah. know if, I mean, presumably that's because I was in Germany, but, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, like, just growing up, I never actually knew anybody who's Jewish. Like, one one of my, like, really good friends, actually, like, uh, his wife is Jewish and all. So, like, he, like, uh, it's kind of funny because, like, when they first got married, she had never really, like, experienced Christmas and he had never experienced Hanukkah. So they had fun introducing both to each of them. <laughs> but, yeah, I never <laughs> actually had that experience myself. So, unfortunately, some of my obliviousness just comes from not having it growing up. It's like, it's like, uh, I think I mentioned it on the last. Uh, last year's when I brought up St. Nicholas Day, where no kids understood what St. Nicholas Day was, because it's, like, uh, more of a Hungarian holiday, because my mom's side of the family, like, can trace their roots to Hungary. Oh, yeah. So, like, I mean... as a, yeah, as a, as a kid, they always told us it was just called hanging up stockings, because, like, on December 5th, you would put a sock up on there, and then it'd be 
magically transform into a stocking filled with like mostly stuff like socks and stuff like that. <laughs> That's interesting because <laughs> in Germany they also do Saint Nicholas Day, but what they have you mm -hmm. do is leave your shoes outside and then there's yeah, candy like the, in your shoes. Yeah, that, that's that's like the actual myth, uh, not not mythology, <laughs> like the actual story I believe. But I think it's more like in years it's shifted a little bit towards socks, or maybe that's more of a like modernization or like different like subculture thing. Well, know, maybe it... and hear me out. Maybe in Hungary they realized it was gross to put candy in their shoes. Maybe yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it was also because like I think I think I want to say like the stocking that I had as a kid. I forget if my mom made them back when we were all born or if my grandma had. I forget. It's one of the two of them. But like they were like all like basically cut from the same cloth. Uh, it's pretty funny how uh, last year when she was here for my breast augmentation, she had to make me a new one for my name, <laughs> Chloe, at the time. <laughs> and then, of course, like a month after Christmas, me being like, uh, I feel bad now. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, to my knowledge, uh, she's making another new one with Vivian on it to bring when yeah. she comes here, uh, like the weekend of my, uh, the weekend as of my transversary and all to hang out. Right, right. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, nice, it, at least. Yeah, it, it was just like, I know she had, like, I actually gave her back the one from my childhood, because it was like, I, I I would feel bad if I, like, just kept this hidden away or thrown out or something so you can have it back, even though I prefer if you don't display it, because obviously, yeah, that's my dead name on it. But mm -hmm. yeah, like, I, I want to say maybe, I think it was her who made them. I don't think it was my grandma, actually, when I think about it. But yeah, like, that was a thing where it's like, as a kid, because we always just called, like, you know, my parents just always called it hanging up stockings day compared to St. Nicholas Day just because it was easier for us as kids to understand it. And then, of course, at school, every kid being like, what's, in, what's hanging up stockings day, Vi? And I'm like, wait, you don't celebrate that? Because I just didn't know it was like a cultural thing. <laughs> and it was always funny where it's like I would always like describe it of like, oh, we get like some like minor presents. That's also like that was always like every year when my mom would get me like the year's Hess truck and all. <laughs> Just because it was like, oh, it's like at least it's like a toy. It's like at the time, head structure twenty dollars. They're close to like fifty these days because of course, mm -hmm. fucking course, everything's more expensive. But yeah, then it would yeah, just yeah. get all the kids pissed off, being like, "Well, I celebrate St. Nicholas Day," <laughs> and yeah, it's always just pretty funny. And then like when I was more in my teens, my mom explained it to me, being like, "Oh yeah, it's like actually probably called this, and this is why." And it's like, "Oh okay, cool, neat. That that's a cultural thing, I guess." I haven't really observed it at all in my adulthood really just because it's like yeah it's just like it's whatever it was like more of a thing as a kid for her to give have an excuse to give us like minor things like socks and underwear <laughs> <laughs> you know the kind of things that like as a kid you're always being like ah oh, man i got more clothes and then as you're when you're adult it's like hell yeah clothes clothes are fucking expensive i'll take free clothes <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's my little side story though i forgot if i told that last year i don't remember it's been a year ago <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. But, uh, yeah. I appreciate, um, your going into detail. <laughs> Yay! It's nice mm -hmm. to have that experience, you know? It's it's yeah. weird. Like, I, I might not have ever had that experience Hanukkah, but I did like to at least celebrate this other, like, yeah. much more minor little holiday that actually, like, has, you know, roots in a different culture that, you know, is my ancestor on my mom's side of the family which is neat yeah it's just really interesting to me that that happens to be one that we share because that's like that's not exactly a common one you know so yeah it's yeah, cool but but to be fair i mean like germany and hungary are pretty close to each other so it kind of makes sense that it just yeah. spread around that region yeah that's fair yeah yeah um hmm. yeah um 
So Angelica throws this uh, latka on the ground, and a man who is dressed up in a dreidel costume. It's like a mascot suit, but for a dreidel. I, f I don't know what this is. This this guy is just going way too hard. Um, <laughs> uh, he steps on the latka and slips on it and falls over, because obviously he does, because that is what happens when you throw things on the floor all the time. Um, this is... I skipped over this in my initial summary, but it'll be relevant later, shockingly enough. Um... <laughs> Uh, backstage, the rabbi shows up to warn the actress for the play that Mr. King is out sick today, so Lowell Arnstein will be playing his role, the village kvetch. Uh, Arnstein is not happy about this because he thought he was going to be the king. Uh, he misunderstood that he was filling in for the king, not Mr. King. Apparently he prepared a monologue and a song, which is just not how being an understudy in a play works. You don't get to rewrite the whole play just yeah. because you're filling the role. <laughs> It's my fucking play now. Everybody's gonna pay the fucking attention. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm the fucking king. Deal with it. <laughs> so there is a little cutaway here to Stu and Lou, who are in the car heading for synagogue now, and traffic is just moving really slow. But we cut out to reveal that uh, they are actually in a parade. They've somehow managed to be in a parade. And of course, the giant Hanakio is on top of their cars, so it seems like they fit right in. They just look like another parade float. Right, um, I do remember this part of this episode, too. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it like D.D. gets pissed because they're just so late as a result? <laughs> uh, there's... So elsewhere, uh, we get Shlomo approaching Boris to bother him about his big-shot inventor son-in-law and why he's not here, and... Then they just kind of basically spit at each other for a while. Like, they're just shouting names at each other. And that's it. Like, it, it lasts maybe five seconds. We're just getting a ton of weird cuts really fast here. Um, elsewhere, Angelica has found her way into the main temple in search of a TV, and there she finds an entertainment center. So she opens it up, but actually it is not an entertainment center. It is the Aran HaKodesh, which is the special cabinet in which the synagogue's Torah is contained. <laughs> um... The rabbi finds her there and offers her to teach her more about it, because it is a very special book, but she just wants TV, and she spots a janitor going by with a portable set on his cart, and so she just runs off, just not paying attention to the rabbi at all. Um, you know, a fun thing to bring up is that, like, Rugrats actually does at some point start acknowledging that the babies just keep getting away all the time, because as the series progresses, they get like more and more elaborate like locks on the playpen <laughs> that they have, which is again I'm just thinking of because like nobody seems to give a fuck that Angelica's just run off when she's three <laughs> at this place, but it's like I just think of that where it's like even though like they had like much more sophisticated locks, like the babies are still just easily getting out because like Tommy just always has like a like toy screwdriver. <laughs> in somewhere to try yeah, to yeah. pick it and everything but it's again it's just a case of like you're at this big event like this whole like play to celebrate hanukkah and everything i get that well i guess like i mean to be fair like her dad and also her uncle are not here but like you kind of have to watch the kids a little bit closely i think when there's not like especially when there's like not all of the adults around <laughs> again would have been different if they just had brought you know, like, uh, Chucky's dad. Where's Bring Chaz along. You'd appreciate this, I think. Uh, he is here. <laughs> oh, wait, wait but, but Phil and those dad. Uh, mom and dad aren't, right. Yeah. Why is Angelica's mom not here? Why is her dad on the way, but her mom's absent? <laughs> uh... uh... I mean, she's a businesswoman, so maybe she's on a trip or something. Actually, yeah, that makes sense. Is... Her dad's not involved in this either, as far as I know. 
Oh, sorry. You said Lou. I thought you said I thought you said Drew. Right. Sorry. Nope, nope. <laughs> Again, because all their names are the fucking same. <laughs> yeah. No. Angelica's parents and Phil and Will's parents are not involved in this episode. They're just not here. Yeah. Which again, it's like pointing out of like why are her why did they drag Angelica along when she's a toddler essentially? I guess three is like not really a toddler. Toddler's like two, but still like why would they take her along but not at least one of her parents? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I uh, guess they, like, I mean, her dad does acknowledge that he's just spoiled little at some point, so maybe they just have an opportunity to be like, oh, thank God, like, we're going to take the kid for a bit. Ah, uh, this is at least blissful. <laughs> I mean, maybe that, or maybe they specifically wanted her to experience this. I mean, some parents do want their kids yeah, to... Yeah, I get that, but, like, one of them should probably go along, too, so this way they can keep track of her and, like, bring her home afterwards. What, Angelica's mom is going to do anything? She is constantly busy. That is... Being on the cell phone with a business person is the only thing she does. But her dad isn't. Her dad, like, I mean, Stu, I don't know what profession he actually has, but then, like, and I think in the movie, Stu calls him, like, a bean counter. Like, it's implied he just has, like, a normal 9-to-5 job that's at least respectable. Like, he has time. This is, like, not during that point in the day. He could be there to at least watch his kid and take hey, her home. someone's got to count all those beans, okay? <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Uh, I, I, yeah, it, it's just so, again, so strange that some of the parents should just stop here. I get that maybe it's, like, a budgetary thing, or it's, like, they just had nothing for them to do, so they just wrote them out of the script, but, like, still, <laughs> come on. Well, that, but also, it's, so much of this episode is focused on other characters and folks who aren't normally here, like, there's just not room for more people, you know? Yeah, I guess. Mm. I mean, we were savage. Slow-mo doesn't appear in any other episode besides this one, so I guess he took this... I guess, like, because he was included, it's like, well, sorry, we already have too many characters. We can't put in, uh, Drew, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, like, about to be, like, I was about to use his full name for some reason, and, like, my brain went to Drew Scanlon. It's like, no, that's not his... He's Drew Pickles. Drew Scanlon is a different guy entirely. He's the meme guy. <laughs> sure. I don't... <laughs> he, he's, he's the reaction phase person. He was from Giant Bomb. Like, he uh, was one of their producers at Giant Bomb when that ha when he that happened. Okay. So, again, sure. Yeah. Whatever. I don't... <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, Angelica is chasing down the janitor in his TV cart, but she is intercepted by the man in the dreidel costume. Uh, she knocked him over earlier, and he's still pretty mad about that, so he just kind of grabs her and drags her off to the synagogue nursery. Uh... Which, you know, probably reasonable if you found find a roving infant. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, again, like, kind of toddler in her case. But still, yeah, you should probably go and, ha like, try to help her find her parents at that point. Yeah. Which, again, good luck with that. Her parents ain't here, but, you know, close enough to mm -hmm. parents, I guess, in terms of her aunt and uncle. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This isn't that weird to me, because as a kid who did grow up in church, like, this is just normal you get to run around the church the church is a safe place kids can go wild there it's okay hmm. but yeah he, he's just taking her straight to the nursery without any other stops um so we cut to the stage where the mount zion women's choir is performing um i'm not super sure if this is a real choir but they are in the credits so i have to assume so and Sorry, um, uh, can you can, can you repeat that full names the mount up. zion women's choir uh, me almost spelling choir for Q. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, wait, no. This might be fictitious because one of the first results I got is from Rugrats. Well, that uh, would. Yep. 
They voiced by session singers Joan Beale, Susan Boyd, Linda Harmon, Luana Jackman, Susan McBride, Bobby Page, Sally Stevens, and Carmen Twilley, and led by Eddie Lemon. Uh, yeah, it looks like they're yeah, it looks like this is fictitious, unfortunately. Okay, well that's fair enough, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Pity. Would be neat yep. if they actually had like a tie-in, or it's like oh, it's like a reference to this other women's choir or something. Wouldn't it? Um, yeah, so we just get a few seconds of them performing, and the babies are sitting on the floor in the audience. They don't have chairs or baby seats or anything, and they're confused because they can't find the meanie anywhere. They have all this stuff, but they can't put him to to have a nap if they can't find him. And at this point, the play proper starts with Boris, who is playing Judah the Maccabee. So we have two different people playing Judah in this episode, sitting down studying Torah. He is bad at acting, which is weird. Because he's a voice actor who is acting, that he's bad at acting. I don't like it. Um, and then, of course, Shlomo, who is playing Antiochus, interrupts, ordering the uh, capture and destruction of the Torah and poking Boris with the sword. Um, the babies recognize him as the meanie and charge the stage screaming, just in time for a commercial break. And when we come back from the break, uh, Angelica the is trying is to escape the nursery so she can watch TV, and the other babies are being dropped off in in the same place. Uh, Dee Dee really doesn't know what happens. It just like they went berserk, so she had to corral them and bring them out here. <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm imagining again, like being like, why did the babies all act like they were like murder zombies there for a moment? <laughs> <laughs> like, lady, you got to get these kids under control. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> uh. It's funny how also by chance we both picked a show that has like so many questions about just like some aspect of the world involved. In your case, how the babies function, and in mine, uh, well, we'll get there, but <laughs> it's gonna be pretty obvious. I had it, like early on because I bring it up a lot in terms of, like how does this fucking work? Okay. Because <laughs> it, again, it's like. I mean, the babies have to be able to understand at least people they're like close to their age, right? Because like they understand Angelica, they understand Susie when she's introduced, which I think she yeah. has been at this point in the well, show. So Maybe. basically, the way that works is that the babies speak baby talk. It's just mm-hmm. that baby talk is a distinct language that they understand that adults don't. Yeah, Angelica is old enough that she can speak to adults, but she still understands baby talk. It's like she's on the way of aging out, if that makes sense. Yeah, and like Susie's the same way kind of deal. Because like I know yeah. it's like a, I know it's like a big thing when like because uh, Chucky says his first like like adult words in the movie because he says no to basically get his dad's attention from like yeah. marrying the shitty lady or whatever. And then, like, it's, like, a big thing in, like, I think the very next episode where it's, like, oh, they're all excited that Chucky can say no. And me, all the babies are, like, why is this such a big fucking deal? We understand he's saying no. So I guess it's, like, mm-hmm. they at least are, like, getting close to being able to say, like, first words. Also, I'm not realizing Chucky didn't say his first words till he was, like, two. That's, like, pretty late for a baby, I think, right? <laughs> well, it is, but, I mean, supposedly his uh, vocal development was slowed down by the trauma of losing his mother, so... Yeah, that that I guess that makes sense. Yeah, because like his mom passed away. Like I think like shortly after he was born, he was like very little. Like he was like still like an infant, I think. Yeah, he was very very young. Yeah, because I remember that's like the whole like crux of the Mother's Day episode, isn't it? Of like uh, Chucky being like, "Oh, but I don't have a mom. What's going on here?" And uh-huh. then like his dad has to like show him like the picture book and everything to explain it. 
Speaking of, that is literally the next episode after this one. <laughs> really? <laughs> what the fuck? How do they go from, like, here's the Hanuk episode that is a little, like, silly in terms of, like, these old people arguing and with each other, to then, hey, you want to deal with uh, parental death, Chucky? <laughs> <laughs> Man, they, I guess I guess that makes sense because this probably would have been like the final episode of that season, right? Or at least like a mid-season break. This is break. the first episode of season four. Jeez, and then they just uh-huh. waited like six months to finally release the next. I guess five because of Mother's Day in May. So they just waited five months till then. <laughs> I don't think they just because this was released in December, but I don't think they released the next one in order you know what i mean I, yeah I'm, I'm trying to find this now uh well i guess no you're right because this was aired in may 97 so they just waited five months <laughs> which is fucking wild <laughs> right when as soon as you said that i'm like how did they i guess they what they did a season premiere and then waited five months i guess uh-huh I, yep that's rewrite some of the episodes or something <laughs> uh, tv like, used to be such a spectacle <laughs> Yeah. Oh um, boy! <laughs> oh, I didn't yeah. even realize they actually have Kimmy in the reboot. That makes sense. That, like Kimmy and Dill being there still, it's like basically just mm-hmm. the same show again. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the the babies are being dropped off in the nursery, and Dee Dee goes back to the play, and Angelica kind of confronts him about why they're here, and they explain everything real quick. But honestly, she's just too busy jumping because the nursery has this like half door that you kind of mm-hmm. see sometimes in this kind of facility. And she's just jumping to look over the half door to the, watch the TV, which is down the hall. <laughs> um, and then while she's jumping, she gets an idea and explains that, you know, they had a very, very good idea trying to put the meanie to sleep. But actually, to put a grown-up to sleep, you need a TV because, you know, that's that's what happens to Grandpa Lou, right? Every time he turns on the TV, he falls right asleep. And uh, she knows where they can find one. There's one right there. And so we cut away to uh, the stage where Judah has overcome Antiochus's forces and with a swipe of his sword cuts his belt so his pants fall down. Uh, this degenerates into an actual fist fight between Boris and Shlomo who are just <laughs> punching each other on stage. And <laughs> the curtain drops to hide this from the audience. Um... <laughs> it's not enough to get stabbed. Now you also have to get punched. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then there is a shot that lasts, it is, honestly, it is less than two seconds of the babies fully doing a human pyramid to push up the latch and escape the nursery, and then we cut backstage again. It's such a weird cut, we could have done this later. Um, But backstage, Boris is kind of yelling at Shlomo about always trying to outdo him and always having to be the better one, but Shlomo has always felt the same way, because Boris is constantly talking about his family, and Shlomo sees that as bragging. Because Shlomo never got to have a family. After his wife died, he had no one, no kids or anything. And so he just, he he's he's just going to leave because he's got no one to share their traditions with anyway. And why would he stay here if he's getting punched? Also, weird, again, weird thing to point out with these episodes airing. You said, you mentioned that like this episode there in December 96 and then not till May 97 for the next episode. Mm-hmm. The prior episode, the last one of season three, also aired in April '95. So there's Why? just like what? there was a year and a half gap between seasons three and four of Rugrats, <laughs> which I guess is like you know, you have a like at that point they had 65 episodes. So it's like you have a lot to do for reruns, I guess. But that's just insane. I'm looking at wait, I want to see 
definitely not there was like a four month gap between two and three because that was like may and then september of 93 mm-hmm. i'm trying to scroll back up to see the break between one and two one and two had like nine months between them because like uh the last episode of season one was december 91 and then not till september 92 but that makes sense like you're making the episodes in that amount of time i guess and they didn't know how successful the show would be i guess <laughs> yeah that's just they all they do this break again between season four and five, because the last episode of that one is November 97, and then they don't air anymore until May 98. So this is just how Rugrats is, I guess. <laughs> Where six months is just norm, and it's just that one weird gap of a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> uh, so I mean, I guess, wait, I also, I guess... Wait, no, there, I was, like, being, like, well, maybe one of the movies aired, but it's, like, no, n- n- the movies wouldn't have aired between seasons three and four, because Dill's not nope. here, obviously. Uh, <laughs> where the where the hell was that? I'm trying to see when it, when it is based on between the seasons. Uh, hmm. <sighs> okay, wait, wait, um... okay, wait, no, I, I thought, there it is, Dill. Dill's first mention is in season six, it looks like. Oh, no, no, he's mentioned in season five, so I think it's between, like, seasons four and five? This is a weird show that I... Again, we, uh, very funny that we both also really picked, like, very fucking weird shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Because, like... Yeah, Rugrats had nine seasons, what the hell? <laughs> I, I just... I, I wanted to pick... You know, I love picking something strange. Like, you remember Gloopstick. Oh, There's not yeah. really <laughs> that big of a bag when you get to Hanukkah shows because I mean there's so yeah. relatively so fewer that you can't there's not so much weirdness right they're they're mm-hmm. more along the lines of this one where it's the meanie of Hanukkah and less gloopstick yeah <laughs> so with Shlomo gone uh, the role of the king is going to follow t- fall to Lowell Arnstein who takes it without a second thought because that's what he wanted to be here so he just immediately runs on stage start to start performing his monologue which is to be or Maccabee. um elsewhere the janitor has fallen asleep with the tv on which angelica uses as proof of her claim that it puts adults to sleep so the babies make their pyramid again which lets angelica reach the tv on its shelf and she gets it down uh, the Cynthia special starts pretty much right away, and she just grabs the TV and books it, revealing that she tricked them because there is no media of Hanukkah. <laughs> but as she runs, she just slams headfirst into Shlomo, who is on his way out. Uh, this causes her to drop the TV, which shatters, and she immediately starts crying because she is still a baby. Um, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, she she's deserved it. She used the babies for her own goal and then immediately gets dunked on. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> also, sorry, I want to mention one more weird thing with the season airing. The finale of season 8 aired on November 11th, 2003. The season premiere of season 9 aired on September 6th, 2003. <laughs> 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 what the fuck? <laughs> you can't have a season premiere before the other season finale airs. <laughs> What the actual shit is going on? Also, apparently they only had that three-segment format for that one season. They went back to two segments in season eight. <laughs> so it's just for season seven that they decided three segments for some reason. <laughs> so weird. I got, I'm got. i closing this wiki entry out. <laughs> That's so probably weird. for the best. Yeah, I keep getting a sidetrack with how fucking insane this show's airing has been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But yeah, uh, Shlomo, of course, is panicking because he's never had to deal with kids. He's not a people person, and this child is just slammed into him and is now crying. But he sort of picks her up, and the babies think that he is trying to, quote, squeeze her guts out. So they decide that they need to save her. Um, Phil finds a blanket and throws him over himself to try and be a ghost to scare Shlomo away, and just immediately smacks headfirst into a table and knocks himself out. Um... Tommy happens to find the book that they were reading earlier about the meaning of Hanukkah, and remembering that bedtime stories can make people go to sleep, picks it up and just sort of walks towards Shlomo with it quietly while making this... It's... I don't know. He's not crying, but it is sort of a eh kind of a noise, if that makes mm -hmm. sense, to indicate desire. Um, I assume he is talking, but we just hear the, the adult version of baby talk for this scene. Um... Now, Shlomo, in the meantime, is just freaking out because he was trying to leave and go home because he was just in a fight, and now there are five babies here. <laughs> yeah, he this, is not this, guy's, this is not this guy's day. He's like, <laughs> oh, I had like one good thing happen in my life here recently after my wife has passed away and I had to spend the holidays by myself. At least mm -hmm. I got to be, like, the star role of this, and then my frickin' rival from the time I was a kid punched me in the gut, so then I was like, fuck this, I'm out, and now I got- I wandered into this area where there's five screaming, crying babies. <laughs> this is not my fucking day. <laughs> it really, really isn't. Um... Boris shows up. I'm not super sure what he's doing here, if he just heard the crying or if he was looking for Shlomo, but... He just arrives to see his grandbabies and associated babies surrounding Shlomo. <laughs> so he kind of just takes Angelica without even really talking about it. He picks her up. Well, doesn't pick her up, but takes her from Shlomo. And he points out and explains that Tommy wants Shlomo to read the book. So he's got to read the book. Um, Shlomo kind of deferred, like, you're their granddad. You should read the book. But it's pretty clear that Tommy wants him to do it, so he relents. And they go to the nearest place to sit, which is on the uh, set from the show earlier. Uh, you remember that the set, the, the curtain came down, so they're just backstage for this. And Boris points out in the story where uh, Minka got cut off earlier, so Shlomo starts to read to them. Um, so after Judah chased the Maccabees out of Israel, we hear the story of Hanukkah. Uh, Everything was broken and ruined when the Greeks left, and the great menorah of the temple, which was supposed to burn forever, had been broken with its flames put out. Uh, there is a brief aside here where Boris interrupts and makes Shlomo explain what a menorah is because the listening audience might not know that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the listening audience of the, you know, the one to three-year-olds don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> and also, to be fair, like most kids in this day and age, uh, you know, back in the 90s, might also not know that because most kids only think about Christmas for the, yeah. the majority. <laughs> yes, uh, so it just so happens that there's one in a box underneath one of the stage props. I don't super know what that's about, but uh, it's it's a real fancy, like, old-style one. The, it's an eight-pronged lamp, but it's an oil lamp. It's not candles. Um, so as Shlomo is setting it up, the book gets passed off to Boris, and Shlomo describes this as the nightlight of our people, shining in the dark to remind people not to be ashamed of who they are and be proud to be different. And, um, yeah, he, he lights the thing as he's filling it, after he's filled it with oil, and the babies all climb closer up onto the stage, and 
Then Boris starts reading again and tells us that the Greeks had only left enough oil for the manure in the temple to burn for a single night, but it would take eight days for them to make more oil. They lit it anyway as a sign of their faith, hoping for a miracle, which Tommy mishears as a mirabole with a B, and explains that this is when something happens that you could never... Like, it's when something happens that you thought could never possibly happen, which is maybe a bit diminutive of the nature of divine intervention, but he's one. Like, yeah. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm pretty sure Mir Mirable is a character from Fire Emblem Awakening. <laughs> uh. To be fair, I think it's pronounced Mirabelle in that case, but close enough. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, of course, is that despite not having enough oil, the Hanukkah continued burning for the full eight nights, and so even today we light our Hanukkah to remember the miracle of Hanukkah. And um, this telling puts Slow-Mo to sleep. He's just sleeping on stage holding Tommy, which the kids, of course, love since they wanted to put him down for a nap. Uh... Stu finally arrives at the synagogue and rushes on stage, interrupting Mr. Arnstein's ongoing musical number, but as soon as he pulls the switch on his giant menorah, it explodes for reals this time, destroying the curtains and revealing the old men and the babies to the audience, who killing just love it. Killing dozens in the process. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stu Pickles is going to jail. <laughs> um... So now that they're on stage, Boris wakes Shlomo up to close it out, and he improvises a bit about how their sincerest wish is for their children and grandchildren to carry the light of Hanukkah to their people across the generations. Uh, Boris speaks the blessing for the lighting of the menorah, which I debated reading out loud, but ultimately I decided not to because it is not my faith and that felt inappropriate, but it is the yeah. standard blessing for the lighting of the menorah so also going if, back a second uh if Stu doesn't get arrested for all of his stupid inventions he definitely fucking got arrested when the baby stole the reptar mech right <laughs> what just like, because they terrorized paris in a giant yeah robot. just yeah just because you know they were just because the security of this fucking giant jaeger ass uh version of reptar was so insecure that a bunch of infants could pilot it and you know steal it and move it around and destroy bits of paris yeah uh i think the person who designed it gets a lot of that responsibility tossed on them well now i'm pretty sure by that point he had already sold it to disney paris so <laughs> hmm. maybe yeah maybe it's it's on somebody's getting sued that's for sure oh, yeah. if it's not 100%. the creator then it's definitely the owners at that point <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the real reason why uh, uh, Chaz's wife decides uh, to go back with him to the States, because it's like, well, my company's getting sued, so I'm gonna... I'm out of a job anyway. <laughs> 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 Might as well yeah. go th back to the States with these fucking idiots who got me fired. <laughs> Slash out of a job. <laughs> yeah, um, so after speaking the blessing, uh, Boris and Shlomo begin singing a song together. I don't know what song this is, but they clearly both know the words, so it's... It is a song in Hebrew that I am not familiar with. And uh, we pan over to the babies, who are thrilled to see that Grandpa Boris and the meanie of Hanukkah are getting along now. It must be a mirable. And we close on laughing. The end. I was trying to look up real quick to see if like uh, that uh, last bit you mentioned actually has its name here written down in the episode notes for the plot, but it doesn't seem like they meant no, it just basically ends with Slomo's reciting the of the baby's expectation of being the beanie, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't mention what it is uh, by name. <laughs> yeah. 
Man, again, like similar to the show I'm going to be talking about, there were so many things I was like, wow, yeah, that's fucking buck wild about Rugrats, huh? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's... It's weird to think about it where if it's like, you know, the, the two that I covered, you know, like the one I covered last year, Hey Arnold, obviously, and the one I'm going to cover pretty shortly on in this one are all from like that same like era of like, what, like 1994-ish, like Nickelodeon. And they're all like cut from like similar cloths but they're all just fucking insane for their own different metrics in a sense <laughs> like Harold I guess is the most grounded in, in a way because it's just a bunch of like nine year old kids in not New York City mm-hmm. right, I forget exactly the city itself it's, I, I always saw it for the longest oh wait no it's because it's like basically LA it's not New York City I always thought it was New York as a kid but like <laughs> Yeah, like, that's the one that, like, even though some of the plots in that are crazy, it's still, like, for the most part, it's just, like, oh, it's just a bunch of fourth graders, like, learning life lessons kind of deal at times and growing up and stuff. Compared to some of the shit that happens in this and the show I'm going to be talking about, where it's, like, how does <laughs> the fundamental structure of this world maintain itself with the way things are? <laughs> like, again, I get that, like, it's, like, okay, the babies had their own baby language, how do the adults not realize that the babies at this point are, like, just fully sentient, developed individuals because of them, like, rushing the stage to try to seemingly kill this old man? <laughs> <laughs> like, if I, if I saw a bunch of, like, one- and two-year-olds rush the stage of a play to go after somebody there, I'd be just be like, these are demon babies. They're gonna murder this man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on here, because, like, in in our modern world here babies usually don't do that where they just uh you know storm the stage with a bunch of like stuff like pillows and whatever it's like yep they're gonna pin this man to the ground and suffocate him with this pillow this is how he dies (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah Yeah. but yeah it's also again like i said like it's been at least easily like since i was like maybe like an early teen myself since i last saw this but like as you were describing it it's like wow there are so many vivid images of this episode in my head too which is weird, because I always thought mostly of, like, the Christmas episode of Rugrats in comparison. I just always remembered that there was a Hanukkah one, because it always just stood out in my mind as, like, one of the very few Hanukkah episodes of any show from that time. That's very but fair. I, yeah, but I didn't, like, fully remember anything about it until you were just describing it. Like, oh, right, they were in the parade, right. <laughs> huh. uh, there isn't... Like, there's plenty of trivia for this episode, because, of mm-hmm. course, it is popular. It's, like, a classic yeah. episode. Yeah, it has, like, its own full-on Wikipedia entry for its own yeah. episode, too. <laughs> like, yeah. But, honestly, I don't think I want to go into most of this trivia, just because a lot of it is, like, stuff that's already covered. Like, it mentions that the song mm-hmm. that the thing played was Sava Nagila, which I said at the time, and it's just, yeah. you know, a lot of it, there's not a point to it. The only thing that I really want to bring up from the trivia is that there is one scene during the flashback um, at the very, very beginning of the episode when we're in Israel 2,200 years ago, and Phil and Lil meet in front of a building which has writing on it in Hebrew. Uh, The English translation for this writing is Mohel, M-O-H-E-L, and it has a sign beneath it uh, which advertises cut-rate prices. Uh, This is a joke that you may understand if you know that a mole is a person who does circumcisions. Oh. (laughs) Uh, Okay, that's good. Uh Uh, There you go. That's just a funny. That's just a funny joke for the few people who are actually like, uh, like people who speak Hebrew, like who might be watching this back in the nineties. 
Oh boy. <laughs> Again, it's the context of like you obviously are more exposed to Hanukkah as a whole just because you're a partner compared to me. Right. I'm not, so yeah, there's been little mistakes on my part as a result based on that. Well, I think that's gonna happen. I mean, it's not like there's a lot of contemporary education about yeah. other people's cultures or religions, you know? Yeah, it's it's also sadly one of those things where it's like whenever I also think about like how Kwanzaa really doesn't have any specials, it's like the only thing that really pops into my head is like the frickin' Futurama episode with Robot Santa with like the Kwanzaa bot flying around with the book that just says what the hell is up with Kwanzaa or whatever it is and it's like yeah. I, it mm -hmm. feels bad that that's the only thing I really truly know anything about in relation to Kwanzaa again from like around this time of like the early 2000s I guess in that case of like even mentioning Kwanzaa because <laughs> again me, me as a like 13-ish year old kid at the time when that episode would have aired being like I'd never heard of Kwanzaa until Futurama it was like we don't know what this is that's our goofy joke and it's like ugh not great <laughs> there's a lot of Futurama from back then that has not held up against the test of time unfortunately there's so many transphobic jokes unfortunately at times in that Okay, see, this is the weird thing, is that, mm -hmm. like, I did know Kwanzaa, because, again, we had a unit on it when I was in Germany. I okay. treated it yeah. so seriously, I thought it was, like, a really common holiday that people celebrate. And then you get over mm. here, and I don't know anyone who does at all. Yeah, I wonder... I wonder if that's maybe just like that school you're going to in particular that wanted to really, like, stress the importance of other cultures and religions. I guess maybe. Much. Yeah. Pity that American schools really don't give much of a shit about that. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It was an American school. It was on the American military base. Oh. Huh. Okay, that uh -huh. even makes it that makes it more of a question of, like, why... Okay, it was in Germany, but it was still an American school on an American military base. It just mm -hmm. makes it... I guess maybe they... I mean, to be fair, maybe they just have, like, higher standards in terms of, like, appreciating other cultures and everything, because it is a military base in a foreign country. At maybe. Least to them. Heck mm. if I know. That's that's my best guess, but it's based on that context. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, that was that was my episode for this month. Uh, I was kind of hard pressed to pick one, but ultimately I decided to go for the classic. And you know, if I decide to do more mm -hmm. Hanukkah episodes in the future, I'll be able to branch out a little. But I figured I had to kind of start with the the, the the big one, you know? Yeah, like, again, like, it's the one that I even knew of as a kid, obviously, because not only did I watch Ugarts a lot as a kid, but it's, like, the fact that a Nickelodeon show even had an episode on Hanukkah itself, I feel like, was pretty big news at the time. For sure. Yeah, especially because, again, like, once December happens, like, what? basically, like, as soon as even November happens, like, here's just all the Christmas shit! <laughs> everywhere <laughs> just vomited all the fuck over like i mean the last time i remember i was in like the mall like local mall on Long island where i grew up they would like i think it was like around the time when i was in college i think that i think that would have been the last time or maybe it was like no i don't think i would have ever actually visited after graduating college in like october but i just think I remember at one point that mall was decorated for christmas in the middle of october and it's just me being like come on what the fuck come on <laughs> Well, I mean, if you go to Target, they usually have one single end cap yeah. dedicated to Hanukkah, which will typically yeah. comprise of a crappy plastic Hanukkah and a bunch mm -hmm. of candles and like 16 copies of The Minch on the Bench. Yeah. <laughs> and then meanwhile, of course, it's like, here's just fucking rows upon rows upon rows of Christmas nonsense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which, again, I get that it's just the one that's observed more, but it's like, 
it, it's still just even a thing that, like, yeah, I appreciate, like, Christmas trees and Christmas lights and stuff like that, but, like, it's it's just a bit too much at a certain point that it's, like, again, with just how much we even just, like, freaking even ignore Thanksgiving for the most part in the States these days of, like, uh, yep, once once Halloween's over, it's all Christmas, baby, for two fucking months. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> Fuck the turkey, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanksgiving is only for football. <laughs> Again, I guess to be fair, like the amount of football I've ever actually seen across the course of my life, most of it would actually be on Thanksgiving, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the way to do it. Once well, a year. I mean, yep. I mean, as soon as the Macy's Day parade is over, you, you watch football all day, I guess. Cause, eh. <laughs> I love watching an incredibly boring sport on a day where I don't have anything to do. <laughs> Yeah, you know, also on a day that, like, is kind of the start of what is usually a four-day weekend in the States, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm, you definitely mm-hmm. couldn't be doing anything else. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, we have anything else? it's not baseball, but... Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I've never cared for baseball at all. I went to one... I think I told the story before. I went to that one game ever, and the only thing I remember from it is being really confused at the scorecard that they gave us. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing about the actual game itself. I at least remember the one, uh, I, uh, I almost said the one ice skating game, the one hockey game I went to because of uh, <laughs> the few times that there were fights. But yeah, like, yeah. turns out they, there was a reason that those were one and done because I was just not a sports kid growing up. <laughs> Mom's husband tried his damnness, but uh, that was not my style. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't have anything else, and I also don't think we should have an ad this week because it's the holiday special, so. Yeah, you know, maybe we want to toss it in later on in like the postscript or whatever after the episode. But yeah, that's <laughs> that's for that's for future us from two months from now to decide. <laughs> Fair enough. I guess we should get into my episode, huh? <laughs> Sounds good. Which uh, I'll be honest here, I did also briefly consider the Rugrats Christmas episode, which would be really weird if we had both of them. <laughs> but I no, I I distinctly remember I like mentioned this one in passing. I think last year. Because uh, what I chose is the Doug Christmas episode. <laughs> hey! Because this is, this is one that also always stuck out in my mind, not nearly on the same level as the Hey Arnold one. And I think that's just because the Hey Arnold one is actually, like, kind of a more deeply personal story because of Mr. Quinn's whole thing with his daughter because of the Vietnam War. Which, again, as a kid, you don't think a lot about. And then when you're an adult, you're like, oh, actually, this is fucking depressing as hell. <laughs> but <laughs> this was also the one that always stuck in my mind of, like, just thinking of the insanity of events. Because, like, I I remembered the basics of this plot just because I remembered that it's, like, porked up on trial throughout the whole thing kind of deal. <laughs> this episode goes fucking in places. This is fucking crazy. <laughs> like, I have questions about the nature of dogs in the world of dogs <laughs> from just this one episode. <laughs> That's the one I'll be bringing up a lot. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, this episode itself is just fully called Doug's Christmas Story. According to the wiki of Doug, it's supposed to be an allusion to a Christmas story. That's why they called it that. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty straightforward, considering that like last year it was Arnold's Christmas. was literally the name of the Christmas yeah. episode. <laughs> I mean, mine was just called Hanukkah, so... Yeah, you know, I don't think you can really like do like much of a, like... Especially if you're, like, mostly, like, a audience that isn't as familiar with Hanukkah, I don't think you can really do a particular spin on a Hanukkah title, I guess, in terms of, like, back then. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure the Christmas episode is also just called, like, a Rugrats Christmas or something. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, it's telling you what it is on the tin. This is the Christmas special that they do at all these shows in Nickelodeon. 
Yeah. In any case, uh, basically, we just open up on a thing that I forgot was, like, the framing for every episode of Doug, because every episode basically has Doug doing a bit of narration in these episodes, because it's basically him writing in his journal afterwards of, like, telling the story. Because I totally forgot that Doug's whole thing is he has a journal. Like, every episode is, like, him always... And, like, there's even... I remember... Once I re remembered that part, I was like, oh, right, there's definitely a part where, like, a person is referring it to a diary, and he gets really embarrassed about that, because I guess, again, it's, like, diary is, like, the name for girl journal, I guess, or whatever nonsense from the 90s. So well, he's, like, yeah. being like, it's a journal, it's not a diary. <laughs> like, very much stressing that. But, yeah, I totally forgot that this was the framing of, like, every Doug episode. Which, the intro itself is, like, all, like, done, like, them, like, messing around with, like, some, like, drawings and stuff. Like, a little bit mm -hmm. of, like, line marks from, like, a pencil. So I guess it makes sense that that's the framework of, like, oh, yeah, no, it's, like, this is just the whole, like, telling of the events in the journal, basically. Yeah, yeah I'm it, gonna be honest. I basically know nothing. I saw Doug the live show when I was at Disney World when I was, like, ten. Oh, well, oh right, right. That's right. the only thing because, I can... Right, because the... Because after, like, the, like, couple seasons of Doug, it switched over to Disney. Like, they did, like, a different continuity. This I don't think it's different <laughs> continuity, but it's definitely, like, Doug more in junior high. Because he's actually, like, a sixth grader, I think, in most of the show. Because also the thing I forgot is, like, the first, very first episode is Doug and his family actually moving to the town. Which, <laughs> I didn't remember that was the first episode. But yeah, like, I was like, I thought he just always lived there because Skeeter's his best friend. No, apparently he just forgets all his old friends and is like, Skeeter's my new bestie. Because <laughs> it's the 90s and you can't communicate to people very well, I guess, over distance. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, that and some of the fake music because I used to be really into fake music. Oh yeah, TV yeah, with, yeah, like the main band being the Beats, which is just a mm -hmm. Beatles spoof. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, let's strap in. The world of Doug is fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So basically, that's how that this it begins, just like every episode of Doug with him uh, telling basically telling his journal, being like, "Oh, here's what happens," kind of deal. Uh, basically, he describes it as like saying, uh, "Just a few days before the best holiday of the year," his words, not mine. That's how Doug phrases it. Uh, that the worst thing possible ever could happen <laughs> happens. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, we basically cut to in progress where he and his friends are playing hockey with a pine cone at Lucky Duck Lake. Which I will point out that like basically all the kids have actual hockey sticks except for Doug, who is using a rake, and Skeeter also has a broom. Skeeter is his best friend, who's like blue and has kind of spiky hair in a sense. <laughs> I don't know why it is that the two of them are the only two that don't have proper hockey sticks. Like, Doug and Skeeter's families, to my recollection, are not, like, poor or anything. It's just the two of them don't have proper hockey sticks, which is an interesting thing to note. And also, like, if all these kids have hockey sticks, why can't some of them afford a puck? Because they're using a pine cone as a puck. <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. I guess. It's just the thing I point... It's just the thing I noticed of, like, why are the... Why is it that Doug and Skeeter, like, the two dorks, are the only ones that don't have actual hockey sticks? <laughs> I guess because, like, they're kind of the perpetual losers in a sense, so I guess they have to be those guys, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Skeeter is the blue one that honks, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's Skeeter. Yeah, well, I think about that guy. Yeah, a thing about Doug that I super forgot, I remember Skeeter is blue. I forgot that, like, almost every side character except Doug's family and I think Patty's family are different shades of different colors, like, like, Roger, the bully, is, like, he has, like, light green skin. Well, like sure. Bibi, the the rich girl, who's a big focal point in this episode, has, like, purplish skin. 
I totally had forgotten that this was a thing in Thug. I was like, why? Okay. I mean, I guess it's like, again, maybe it was like drawing some inspiration from like Simpsons or something, because they all have like yellow skin, except for like obviously like black characters. So maybe that's why, but it's also just weird that it's like, they have just like this fucking weird, insane, like, difference of, I, I can't even call it race, it's just some people are blue for some reason in this universe, and I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's just like that, you know? I guess. Some people have blue skin. <laughs> yeah, some people have purple skin, some have light green because they're the bully character, so therefore they have to have the color that's associated with, like, evil or whatever. So I guess so. I don't know. Sometimes it's children weird. are just born with protagonist hair. It happens. I'm not Doug. Doug only has, like, a few wisps of hair. He has, like, Charlie Brown hair. <laughs> so, whatever. I don't know. It's just a thing I meant had to mention because, again, it was, like, me being like, wow, this is weird for Doug, and then it just gets weirder as the episode goes along. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Porkchop, which is Doug's dog, who I have to point out, D Porkchop is a sentient dog, but he's not like a like funny talking animal kind of dog. He, like he's like he's not Goofy in that sense, like Goofy the character, not Goofy like yeah. Billy. So it's weird because like he's very emotive. He's clearly aware of what's going on and like sentient. And there's times where he tries to like actually communicate to other people, but he can't talk. Which immediately starts bringing up a lot of questions of how dogs work in this universe, because there are also non-sentient dogs, well, <laughs> which we'll see a lot problem, of. Right? I get, but I mean to be fair, like most, I I guess I'm trying to think along the lines of like most of the animals in Peanuts also are kind of a Snoopy's ilk, right? Because like Woodstock is clearly sentient, with uh, Snoopy's siblings are all sentient. Well, do we ever I see mean, any other true, animals besides but Woodstock? Them? Doesn't talk. Well, yeah, but neither did Snoopy. Like, Snoopy mostly just says his own, like, laugh or whatever. Oh, Snoopy talks. He just can't talk to people. He has monologues and everything. Uh, yeah, I guess in some cases he does, but it's yeah. It's just all, like, internal. He can only talk to animals and himself. Yeah, which, again, it's it's something we'll come up with in multiple times in this episode, that there's just, like, there's so much in terms of, like, how dogs exist in this world and, like, they're not treated like people, but they're also still kind of acknowledged to not just be dogs as we know them. Mm -hmm. We'll get there as it goes along. But I had to pull it out because Porkchop is also like the kind of the focal point character of this episode, besides BB <laughs> in a sense. But yeah, uh, he's here as well at the game, and basically he just kind of arbitrarily goes sliding through the game past to like a section of thin ice. Uh, which basically it used to have a very convenient sign telling them about it being thin ice, but it falls into the lake because when Porkchop approaches it, it cracks and just that section falls in. Uh, he bolts out of there, but the pine cone that they're using as a puck accidentally ends up towards the cracks as well. And again, even if you didn't notice the cracks there, there's also just an absolutely comical hole in the lake now. <laughs> I feel like you should be able to notice that and be like, I should not go over there. But again, we're, there's a lot of reality, like disconnect from reality in this episode that we just have to accept that people are not putting two into the other, I guess. <laughs> because BB, who I totally forgot about the wealthy family in Doug as well. Like BB's full name, like her her family name is the Bluffs. The town is also fully just named after them because it's the town of Bluffington. So it's like these people just basically own the fucking town basically at this point. And Vivi's like the wealthy rich girl character who is like the popular one because of that. But like apparently she still is at least like kind of nice at times. Sure, like, sure. Like kind of like Rhonda on Hey Arnold as well. Like Rhonda, like Rhonda's family is also wealthy, but like people still like her because like she might be haughty at times, but she's mostly still humble at times. But yeah, she has to get her like shit rocked at times too. Just to basically be like, hey, remember, 
you're still a kid too. Deal with it. <laughs> like just because your family's wealthy doesn't mean you're above us. But yeah, well, I BB... mean, there's there's one of those in every show of this era, right? Yeah, pretty, you've pretty. Got Muffy yeah. and Arthur, and you've got the Ashleys in Recess. And... Yeah, true. Actually, oh yeah, was it? Is it? There's got to be a Recess Christmas episode, or somehow the episode actually. Oh, there's a few. I I have to imagine, yeah. Man, recess Although, also recess I will give you this. One of them is straight up. Like, it's advertised as a movie, but what it actually is is a framing device so they can rerun several old episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Being the lazy one <laughs> route. <laughs> All right. Well, There's, I want to say, like, maybe eight minutes of new footage in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Anyway, uh, we should continue on with BB because uh, she is the one who decides to arbitrarily go after the puck here. Uh, basically, again, she absolutely does not notice the comically large hole in the cracked ice. Like, even if she doesn't isn't aware it's thin ice, there's still a hole. Just don't go towards it, but she does anyway. Uh, I almost jumped ahead to something else. Uh, basically, yeah. Uh, pork chop who has usually noticed it because he was accidentally kind of responsible for it happening, does chase after her and tries to stop her from going forward towards it, but again, she just thinks he's being a dog and just being weird and just tells him to go away because she has, she's busy. So, to make sure she doesn't fall into the thin ice, Porkchop has to basically grab onto her leg, which, of course, you know, bites her because he's a dog, he doesn't... Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that Porkchop seemingly can uses paws like hands in a sense sometimes he yeah he definitely does have hands yeah he can't grab onto a person though which i guess to be fair he is a small dog he's not the size of a teenager so i guess he wouldn't be able to pull her away anyway that way so he does have to resort to using his mouth unfortunately so he does have to bite bb to try to save her here uh of course bb screams for help here because she just thinks she's getting attacked by a dog she has no concept of this big hole in the ice nor the cracks which when she it's like going and reaching down for the puck, the cracks are like actively advancing towards her too. She does not notice this. Porkchop does, which is why he's like, I guess I'm biting her to save her ass. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the city of teenagers not paying the hell attention to anything else besides this pine cone. So whatever. But yeah, he dragged her to safety away uh, from the ice. But the other kids basically start accusing Porkchop of having just fully attacked BB unprovoked. Uh, a character named Chucky, whose name I definitely did not remember in this show and had to look up on the wiki because I totally forgot about Chucky as a character. Uh, apparently Chucky is a nickname for him too, much like Chucky. But uh, Huzzah. Yeah, did not know, did not remember this guy existed. Uh, but he tells Doug that he saw the whole thing and that Porkchop ran up behind BB and bit her. So Doug tells Porkchop that he's a bad dog because, you know, all the evidence at this point points to Porkchop just attacking BB unprovoked. <laughs> Uh, after the little title card, which I also forgot that they basically do, like, a Simpsons couch gag thing with, like, the title being written by Porkchop and, like, sometimes, like, other characters, like, swoop in or whatever or, like, run off before they, like, flick a light switch off to start the episode. I totally forgot they did, they did this thing. <laughs> uh, Doug has basically returned home at this point where he continues to reprimand Porkchop for not, you know, not biting anyone. And I quote, in his own words, even if it is BB. So like, does Doug have it out for the bluffs or something? <laughs> but doesn't I want to mean, resort if to physical violence. Rich people in town. He's probably got reason yeah. to hate them. I mean, yeah, true. That makes, makes sense. They are the richest family in town. The town is literally named after them, so it kind of makes sense that he'd be like, "Fuck these rich people," but also I don't want to just like physically punch one of them, kind of deal. But yeah, it's just it's very funny that he sneaks that in. I'm like, even if it is BB, even if it is the asshole, besides like my actual bully Roger, it's like, even if it is her, you shouldn't fight her. 
even though she sucks and probably maybe deserves it in some level. It's like, <laughs> Doug, my guy, you didn't have to add that bit in. <laughs> also, I totally didn't realize it until later on. Doug, at this point in the show, before like the Disney uh, takeover, is voiced by Billy West. I totally did that not realize sense. that. Yeah, like I never had noticed that as a kid or anything, even though, again, I've watched Futurama, so like I recognize Billy West's voice as Fry and like half the other cast of characters <laughs> in that show. But then when I read that, I was like, actually, yeah, no, I do hear a little bit of Fry in his voice, I guess. It's just weird. Because, <laughs> like, I think he's, like, the only, like... I, I think there's, like, maybe, like, one or two other, like, big-name actors that were on Doug, but he's, like, the major one. Like, I think, like, Skeeter and Patty and other characters later are just minor char- minor actors and stuff. Like, he was, like, the biggest one. Which makes sense. He's the main character. <laughs> but, yeah. Weird. Uh, but, yeah. Anyway, uh, Porkchop, at this point, tries to do his best to act out the events to prove it's innocent by, like, basically just trying to, like, indicate as much that there was thin ice and that he had to pull BB away because he didn't have any other choice. But, again, he Bro, likes... you got the... hands, just type it out. <laughs> again, we'll get there later on near the end of this episode. There's implications that Porktop could easily tell everybody what happened here based on what people say he's done. It's, it's a fucking insane list of things that apparently he's accomplished, and it's like, how is he not able to just tell Doug this by some other way, even if he can't talk? <laughs> <laughs> I, again, I have so many questions about the nature of dogs in the world of Doug. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but he, he, as I mentioned before, does not have the Garfield, maybe they hear me, maybe they don't kind of ability. He has just like no talking ability. He mostly just has little barks and yips and stuff like that. So it's like he's, he can't even get close to words or anything. <laughs> so Doug just thinks that he's fooling around and making light of the situation. And at this point, he sends Porkchop to his igloo to think about his actions. And here's where I also totally forgot that Porkchop just lives in an igloo year round. They just, they just have a dog shape. They just have a doghouse shape like an igloo for some reason. It's like I, I when I when I saw that at first, I was like, oh well, obviously they must have changed it for the Christmas episode. No, he just has the igloo year round. That's just his doghouse. <laughs> so weird. That's just a thing. I, I guess it's because Doug is weird and his dog is weird, so they have to have the weird doghouse or something. <laughs> doesn't doesn't go with the rest of their house at all. <laughs> the weird aesthetical clash. Uh, yeah. I would uh, say, so I turned on this episode since mm-hmm. you started covering it, and having wa- been watching it along, you mentioned earlier that Doug's family are the only ones who aren't, like, weird-colored people, and I think that's because it changes a little bit from scene to scene, mm-hmm. but Doug's mom is very pink, and his dad is yeah, very orange, that, so I think they just true, came together yeah. to create white people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I was mostly thinking of it because, like, his dad is at least kind of closer, I think. Like, again, like you say, his yeah. mom is very pink. But, like... It, it's definitely not consistent. Like, yeah, it changes yeah, from scene to scene, but... Yeah, it's weird. And also because, like, especially, like, again, like, his sister Judy, who is about to be introduced here, has skin exactly like Doug's. So I guess they both just won the genetic lottery, in a sense, of being the only white people in this world. Well, I mean, again, I that's know. what happens when you mix pink and orange. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. In any case... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, as alluded to, uh, his older sister Judy pulls up to grab Doug to go Christmas shopping before their parents get home. Uh, you know, I guess it's be secretive. I also have to say, I always thought, what is this car, right? Yeah. Also, I always, I always remember Judy to be a college student, but no, she's only in high school. She's only a few years older than Doug. I thought she was way older because I feel like there's a lot of time that she's not around. But maybe I was getting huh. her mixed. Maybe I was getting her mixed up with Helga's sister Olga and Hey Arnold because she is actually a college student and she shows up pretty often more than I actually thought. Because again, she showed up at the end of the Christmas episode from last year, mm-hmm. if you remember, because she's yeah. there with Helga's parents during the one scene they have, even if she doesn't say anything. 
So yeah, maybe I was getting them mixed up or blended together, but also it's like based on the fact that Judy is always portrayed as like the like theatrical, like poetry kind of kid, who also for some sadly enough, they always have just like bad stereotypes about her being overly dramatic and not taking anything seriously because people are like, <laughs> Oh, she's the artist, so she of course she's all heart artsy fartsy or whatever. I always interpreted I always again interpreted that as like she's in early college going for a theater degree or something. But no, she's like fourteen. <laughs> Well, that may be, like you said, he was older in the Disney series, so maybe by that point she's in college? Maybe, yeah, because like, I'm pretty sure it's like near the end of the initial run that it's like a whole episode devoted to like Doug graduating from elementary school, and he's like concerned about that because he doesn't want to leave his like homeroom teacher or something. I feel like I remember his homeroom teacher distinctly from that one episode because he's not much of a character otherwise or something. <laughs> But yeah, I think that was like basically the cutoff period, and then like Disney took over. So like maybe they like aged up Judy a little bit just to get her out of high school, because at that point Doug's in high school or something. Oh, I guess he'd only be in junior high, so I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Judy's not much older. She's way younger than I thought. It's a thing. I thought she was in her like twenties mm -hmm. or something, but apparently no. But yeah, uh, yeah. But they go off. Uh, yeah, basically they go uh, off in her car after Doug gives a little like last glance at the igloo, you know, considering stuff. But he does go with her. Uh, speaking of forgetting full events in this entire show, uh, is that Bob White was the former mayor of the show, and I totally forgot that there was a full, like, episode devoted to him running for re-election and fucking losing. <laughs> I remember this guy so distinctly because, like, he always would be around at points just saying, like, but for me, all the time, in, like, that little, like, hushed tone kind of deal, like, basically trying to, like, sway electors. But yeah, apparently at one point he lost to Doug's neighbor's wife. <laughs> so now he instead runs a radio TV station called K-Bluff. Uh, basically, like, it's kind of a nothing scene. He's just there, like, near the holidays and everything. And he's just, like, taking callers until one calls in and being like, Hey, did you hear about that kid that got attacked at the lake? And he's like, what? <laughs> basically, that's, that's, like, the whole context of that to include him in this episode because he shows up so often, to my recollection. But yeah, we just immediately cut over to the mall where Doug is telling Judy that he probably shouldn't have yelled at Porkchop, but she's just too distracted looking at golf clubs for their dad, because apparently their dad asked for a 9-iron, but they don't have any in stock, so Judy gets the air quotes great idea to buy three 3-irons, three as though that's the same thing. And like, Judy, I, I know like absolutely fucking nothing about golf, but I know the irons have different like weight to them and stuff, you can't just hold three golf clubs together to get the same effect of a 9-iron. <laughs> I mean, maybe you can't, but Boru no Azoro. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Again, this is like just one of those things that I forgot happens here, but it's just me being like, oh, right, they always just portray Judy as just having her head in the clouds in like a bad way in the course of this show. Because again, she is the theater kid. She is the one about poetry and art and stuff. And I just don't like it for the most part, because they always act like she's like on a different existential level than other people for some reason <laughs> it's she doesn't have much to do in this episode she shows up like once more but even that scene is just her not being great either <laughs> and i don't like it <laughs> yeah in any case uh da -da -da. yeah doug basically just walks so off because say, he spotted a hat that he thinks porkchop would like for christmas but he doesn't really like say it's the like say he's sorry or anything it's not like he's like implying he's gonna give it to pork job when they get home to be like hey sorry i yelled at you you can have a christmas present early or something <laughs> it it does end up being pork job's christmas present later on i'll say that but it's like it's just like he kind of just gives no context besides walking up to it being like oh perfect and has a little like thought bubble of pork job wearing the hat <laughs> well that's pretty good i suppose yeah 
I don't even know how to describe what kind of hat this is. It's like, it kind of has like the flats over the years, I guess, but Porkchop's also a dog, so I don't think that would really be functional for him. Yeah, like, it, it, it definitely does look like that sort of a trapper hat when he picks it up, but when he imagines it, it doesn't look like that at all. So. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I was thinking Deerstalker for some reason, but I was like, no, that's a detective hat, that's not this. Yeah, mm -hmm. like, yeah, trapper hat, I guess, is the closest we can approximate to what it is. <laughs> But yeah, uh, there's uh, definitely a word for it that I'm forgetting, but yeah, it's it's that kind of style of hat again, the one that has the coverings over the ears, but it's not like obviously it's not like even like Ushanka. a wintery hat. Oh right, okay, yeah, it's it's that kind of like hunting style kind of hat. Yeah, <laughs> at least that's what I think of it as. <laughs> but yeah, I think it depends on the pattern. Like this oh, one okay. that we see in the show, definitely a hunting hat. But if it's yeah, really, yeah, like it's, buffalo it, plaid, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's that kind of style of hat here. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, he's he's planning on getting that. Uh, but also at this point, Judy walks back over, saying that she decided to be cheaper and get a two and a seven iron instead of the three threes, which again, still not the same thing as a nine iron. Judy, <laughs> come on. <laughs> not mean, only are it's easier to dual wield than triple. I guess, yeah. I mean, yeah, you would have to hit the other one in your mouth, like Zoro, still, but like, still, that's not the same thing. <laughs> also, it's 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 her, it's not even her acknowledging it's not the same thing. It's her saying that it would be cheaper to get two instead of three. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like, oh, cool. So not only are you not getting this right at all, like not checking even other stores for the sake of your dad, you're intentionally also not spending a lot of money on him. <laughs> also, it would be. Again, if you went to a different store to look for a 9-iron elsewhere, that'd be cheaper than buying two golf clubs anyway, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm assuming all the irons are, like, the same price range of each other. I, even if it's, like, more pricey just because it's, like, a higher number. I don't. Again, I don't know how golf clubs work or anything, but, like, even if it is more pricey just based on the number being higher, you'd think it would still be cheaper than a 7 and a 2 together, because that's still two clubs. <laughs> I don't uh, know. I, yeah. Again, I don't, I don't I, I don't like the depiction of Judy, and there's a lot in the show that I'm just thinking of, that in terms of, like, oh, she's just always like this, and I just hate that this is how they always portray the one artsy character <laughs> on the show. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, in any case, uh, da -da -da. yeah, they then go drive home, where along the way, Doug says that he hopes Porkchop doesn't have a hat already like this, and, like, Doug, he is your dog, and also, as you'll call him, your best friend, even though you also call Skeeter your best friend at times. How do you not know if your dog slash friend has a hat or not? He lives in your home. <laughs> I get that he oh. has a Zigloo, but like, how do you not know if Porkchop has a hat? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he doesn't live in Doug's home is the thing. He lives in the Igloo, so he could have but, anything in there. But, well, that's just his doghouse for outside. He's often inside the house, from what I remember of the show. He's also in the house at the end of the show, too, to open Christmas presents with them. Like, he's a member of the family. He's not just a dog that lives on their property. It's not like, <laughs> we'll get there, but it's not like he's paying rent or taxes or anything. <laughs> yeah, he's just got the mother-in-law apartment. Apparently, but it's like, I, I don't understand how Doug doesn't know if he doesn't have a hat like this. It's like... Well, the igloo is too small for Doug to go in, so... Okay, jumping <laughs> jumping ahead, there's a part where it shows that Doug got Porkchop for his very first Christmas. So Porkchop is like 10 or 11 years old. I would think that in that amount of time, Doug would know whether or not somebody had ever gotten his dog a hat like this, or if he had gotten him a hat like this, or somehow Porkchop acquired one, whether he has money or committed <laughs> theft or something. I'm just calling it out here, because again, he's his dog and his friend and everything. How does he not know if he has a hat or not? 
<laughs> I believe that Porkchop would do crimes, having watched at least part of this I episode mean, th now. There's an implication that he might do crime later on, but we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> they bring up money concerning Porkchop, and then it's like, well, has he got this? He maybe is doing crime after all. Anyway, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, in any case, a crowd has gathered at the funny residence at this point, which, that's their family line, they're the bunnies. Uh, there's basically just reporters and police there who have muzzled pork chop. This is notably not animal control, they're just full-on cops. They have a prison van. <laughs> yeah, this is some nonsense, you can't yeah. do this. Yeah, this, again, this van just straight up says police. This is not, like, animal control or anything, which is who you should be calling for the case of, like, a dog attack or something. You should not be calling the cops, because also, I mean, to be fair, cops these days mostly just shoot dogs on sight, even without any provocation. But let's be mm -hmm. real here. This would not be this would not be on the tier of, like, calling the police to deal with this dog and bring him in. This is animal control. <laughs> but no, they have <laughs> cops here. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, remember uh, not Mayor White, he's here, and he still keeps calling himself the mayor and having his, like, radio singers do the same, even though he lost re-election, so I feel like uh, the actual mayor... Uh, should be pissed about that. Uh, apparently, he called in about Porkchop, you know, after getting that call on his radio show. So, the, the basically, he tells the cops to put that dog away for good, in his own words, <laughs> seemingly with no trial at this point. <laughs> They're just like, oh, we're going to put the dog away for good. He's, he's going to jail forever. <laughs> no trial given or anything. <laughs> but that's, that's just how he acts, because, again, it's like, I get that it's like at least like okay if he get, if he made a call about this that's fine he should not really be here and like ordering the cops around because he's not the mayor he's a radio host at this point just because he's the former mayor doesn't mean he should have the authority to command these people around or anything <laughs> <laughs> whatever he, he's it's weird that he's here and I don't think he remember I don't think he shows up in like the rest of the episode it's weird that he has these two scenes but they had to have this inciting incident somehow to get Porkchop tossed in jail. <laughs> yeah. In any case, uh, they go and toss Porkchop into the van, so basically, like, after Doug can't do anything about that, he talks to his family about if they could even actually put Porkchop away for forever. Because, <laughs> like, shouldn't there be a trial? Uh, uh, yeah. At any rate, uh, they go and toss Porkchop into the van, so Doug, with no other recourse at this point, just talks to his family about even if they could actually just throw Porkchop away for good. His dad doesn't really offer useful advice here. He basically just says that, like, everyone around this time of year thinks about peace on Earth. And, you know, basically just has an air of, like, it'll be fine, maybe, probably. Not really. <laughs> he doesn't really have anything to offer help here. Uh, but basically, his mom then asks him if he's sure that Porktop really was just trying to play with BB, as Doug thinks Porktop wouldn't really hurt anybody. <laughs> That's his whole idea of it, even though, again, he's been telling Porkchop he's a bad dog, like, multiple times so far. <laughs> but he's just assuming that, you know, he wasn't actually trying to hurt her. Judy, once again, here is bad, because she does not help by calling their dog a raving lunatic. And, again, uh, just, I don't like how Judy's portraying this show. <laughs> uh, I don't, yeah. I don't like it. Again, it's like, oh, she's the theater kid, she's the dramatic one, so she's always acting out and stuff with, like, being overly dramatic and stuff, and I don't like that it's, like, the one art character is that way. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Doug's dad basically had stepped off because, like, uh, they got a ring at their doorbell, and he comes back with a letter for Doug that was dropped off, and I don't know why their mailman apparently rings the door to let them know the mail's there, but in any case... Uh, the letter is from BB's dad, and in the words that they use here, BB's dad is suing Porkchop. 
not the funnies. <laughs> he's not fun suing the family of the dog. He's suing the dog directly. <laughs> okay, um, mm -hmm. that is a problem, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, again, it, it's something we'll get into when we actually meet Mr. Bluff here in more detail. He has reasons for directly going after Porkchop, but it's also... He's a dog. He, seemingly, dogs in this world do not have personhood, even though Porkchop is clearly sentient. You can't sue a dog. <laughs> uh, and especially, again, because, again, we'll see more dogs when they actually go to the pound, because they brought him to the pound even though the police covered him. We'll see other dogs who are just dogs. So Porkchop is, like, on a different level, I guess. So he should be treated as a sentient. He should be treated as a person, so he would be able to be sued. But everybody else just treats him like a fucking dog, just a regular-ass dog throughout all this episode. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know how dogs work in this universe. <laughs> but the They're way they dogs, treat... just like everybody else. But the way they treat Porkchop, he should not be able to press charges against a dog. <laughs> I mean, I, dogs can uh... commit crimes and be put on trial in real life, so... Yeah, but I feel like it's more like you're still having to, like, take the family of the dog at the task, right? It's more like... No, definitely oh, not. Is it not? I thought it was, like, because it's like, oh, well, it's your family dog, so therefore you have culpability because the dog, like, would it, would it, like, you should have had more control over your dog or trained it better or something. I mean, okay, yes, there is that measure of culpability, but it's, if a dog commits a crime, it is, does have to be determined by panel whether that dog is safe or, like, the, the dog okay. does go on trial. Okay, but, but, okay, but it's different levels of trial. This is, like, to see if the dog is, like, you know, okay as, to, like, be around, I guess. These people are angling for Porkchop to get the death sentence, yes. which I... I guess it's also, I guess, that, in a sense, but... That is the, exactly what it is. If, if the dog is deemed unsafe, then they have to destroy it. Okay, it's just a different context here, because, again, they act like Porkchop is a person, but they don't grant him personhood, compared to, like, in the real world, where it's like, okay, we need to just make sure this dog isn't a threat. Yeah. But we still, we still already still know it's a dog, it's just going based on instincts, it's not like it chose to do this because it's out, out of malice or something. <laughs> Hang on. I gotta plug in my headset. Okay, we're good. Anyway, whatever. We'll get- we'll, there's more to discuss there as this episode goes along about the dogs, but again, I just find it just so weird that this raising is like, why not just press charges against the funnies if they're dogs? <laughs> whatever. Doug is worried because he knows that everybody knows that Porkchop is a nice dog, uh, so his parents basically suggest that they go in, around town and get signatures in support of Porkchop to show that he is a nice dog, and other people agree. Uh, basically, Doug is like, oh, well, Porkchop's my dog and my best friend, so I'll, I'll do that myself. So he goes by himself to do that. Uh, he gets just a few signatures. In particular, like, the only one you really see him get is from his neighbor, Mr. Dink, who is, like, he's, Mr. Dink is always, like, the, like, the wacky next-door neighbor who's always buying, like, the latest, like, high-priced and, like, technical gadget kind of stuff. Because, like, his whole, like, thing is that everything he describes that he got, he's always says it's very expensive. And, like, also a hushstone mm -hmm. kind of deal. But it's like, Mr. Dink would definitely be in the crypto if this was in 2022 or 2023. <laughs> he would definitely be like, Douglas, I gotta show you uh, my new crypto mining farm. It's very expensive. <laughs> I had to buy all these fucking uh, graphic cards from the best buy. <laughs> or I guess it would be the bluff buy. <laughs> yeah, everything in this town would be called bluff, I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mr. Dink is a weird character, but he doesn't show up anymore. <laughs> he's, he's only in there for this one scene. <laughs> He doesn't show up at all. Uh, 
basically, Doug immediately just starts being out of luck because, like, you know, Mr. Ding mentions, like, oh, my wife, who's the mayor, would sign it, but she's out of town, unfortunately, so she can't help. And also, Doug just quickly runs into people not caring about showing support for a dog because they're like, yeah, that's the dog that attacked the richest kid in town. Uh, I don't want to have my name associated with in support of the dog there. In one case, mm-hmm. there's like a there's like an old lady who's just like too concerned with like it being Christmas time. She's like, this is the time for like petitions. This is the time for cookies and presents and strudel. I don't know why she mentions strudel, but she does. And like, it's just like it's just a funny thing where Doug's like trying to appeal to her, and she's like, save it for after the holidays. And he's like, but by then it'll be too late. And she's like, you should have thought of that before. And it's like. How? How should Doug have thought of this before? His dog attacked... Yeah, uh, fully, this is a matter of, like, it's not my fault it's not happy. They're going to murder my dog. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what he alludes to. I mean, like, it'll be too late by that point. Like, his dog, like, attacked BB either earlier this day or yesterday at most. How could he have, like, planned around that to be like, I need to get the petitions before Christmas? Because at this point, it's like, this is, like, I think this is the 23rd of December? Because the court itself takes place on Christmas Eve. So yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the 23rd. So it's like, there's like such a short turnover between attack to trial and everything compared to like the normal judicial system, I guess. But again, it's like, well, it's in a few days before Christmas, so it's all going to be sped up a bit. But it's like, he could make no plan around his dog seemingly attacking the rich girl in town. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, sorry that this happened around Christmas, uh, but also we need to get this sorted out before they put my dog down, lady, but she she refuses. Uh, Doug, at this point, passes by a store that just has, like, those, like, TVs that are on display, like, towards the sidewalk, with them, like, being lined up from the here, because, like, the TV is basically, like, playing an over-exaggerated recreation of the attack on BB from Porkchop. It's just kind of funny because the dog they have representing Porkchop is just straight up like a like big ol' like mean looking pit bull or whatever. <laughs> Which I don't like that stereotype <laughs> either, but it's like it's very much like this is the kind of dog that you would envision as like the kind of dog that might be depicted as aggressive in stuff like mm-hmm. this compared to like Porkchop. Because I don't know what kind I don't think Porkchop is a particular kind of dog. He's just kind of a small dog. He's just Yeah, he's there. just kind of a mess. Yeah, he he's <laughs> he's not like any particular dog compared to like this pit bull or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's over the top. Like the dog, like fully drags to the ground, is like just tossing around like fucking Mario spinning Bowser and Mario sixty four or whatever. It's so it's it's so over the top. So like Doug at this point is like being like, yeah, this is getting out of hand. I have to try talking to BB directly because that's the only thing I can think of at this point. <laughs> so he goes to the hospital, but uh, he immediately runs into BB's dad, Mister Bluff, who I think is I forget. I looked up his name, but I forget what his name is. He has a first name, but I don't remember. But he's Mr. Bluff, just for the most part, so that's what I'm just going to call him. But yeah, uh, he tries to convince him that Porkchop didn't try to hurt her, but he's content to let the course decide. And also, he just fully admits he doesn't like dogs, because they don't know what money is, nor do they even have any. So again, why are you suing the dog? <laughs> because he wants to murder the poor. I I, I mean, that's basically the only option here, I guess, that makes sense, but it's like, he acknowledges, I don't like dogs, and also they don't know what money is, and don't have any. So it's like, in an optimal scenario, where Porkchop wasn't on trial for, like, you know, with the punishment of death, and just had to pay, like, uh, like, back the bluffs for, like, the whole trauma and everything, where do you expect to get this money from? You're suing the dog, not the funnies. <laughs> you admit you don't, you know that Porkchop doesn't have money. <laughs> 
uh, Mr. Bluff sucks. He's an asshole. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, if, if you sue someone and they don't have the money to pay you back right away, you can put a lien against their house and start taking... Blockjack <laughs> doesn't own property! <laughs> Here's gonna, the doghouse. You're gonna repo his doghouse? <laughs> uh-huh, yep. Well, I mean, that's not the angle Mr. Bluff is going for. He wants Porkstop's life, not his money that he doesn't have. <laughs> well, sure, because he's a rich person, so he wants to murder the horse. Uh, yeah, but again, it's like Porkchop's only poor on the basis of being a dog. Again, the funnies as a family are not poor. <laughs> yeah, but they're also not responsible. I, I mean, I guess I can see it from that angle, like, oh, your rabid dog attacked my daughter or whatever. And that's that's kind of how Mr. Bluff talks. He he kind of has that like uh like almost like foghorn leghorny kind of voice in a sense. <laughs> that's how he talks in this. Uh, I I had to look it up. He's not a famous actor, unfortunately. I thought he might have been foghorn leghorn's actor just because of like Billy West being in this, but no, he's not. Again, uh, anyway, uh, there's so much again about dogs in this episode that it's like I still question everything. <laughs> <laughs> Doug at this point realizes I need some help trying to figure this out, so I don't know if you were ever familiar with like Doug's different alter egos that he has in the show. I'm aware, yes. Okay, I I totally forgot that he has other ones besides just his superhero persona, to be honest. I didn't realize he has other ones. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he basically enters his mind palace thing and his various alter egos that have apparently appeared throughout the show. This is notably also, according to Wiki, the only time all three of them show up at all. And also, this is the last appearance in the show of Quail Man, which I found fucking insane, because Quail Man's, like, what? the one. That's, like, yeah. the iconic guy. Yeah, yeah, Quail Man is the one that I remember, because he's just Doug with Doug's clothes and everything, with his belt on his head and also his underwear outside of his pants. That's Holy, the one that, that is, is what that stage show was about, was Quail Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, but, no, this is the last episode in the entire, uh, at least I, in the, like, initial Nickelodeon run. I can't say about the Disney one, because I never watched it or anything. But this is the last time in the original Doug series that Quail Man appears. And to be fair, this is like season four, I think, of Doug that this episode airs in, which is wild to think that it took them four seasons to finally do a Christmas special of Doug, but I don't know. But it's like, wow, how is it this, that this is the last time that Quail Man shows up? <laughs> but yeah, in any case, that's a superhero persona, and Quail Man suggests that he just fly into the pound. Again, it was the police and the animal control. Who took Porktop, so why isn't Porktop in prison if they're treating him like a person mm -hmm. who can be sued? Uh, that's a different case. Uh, uh, and... <laughs> just mm -hmm. worth noting, the spy dog fully does bring margaritas to the other two. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> and specifically, stirred, not shaken, which, if you're familiar, <laughs> means that they are more alcoholic. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's... I mean, to be fair, again, like, when... I skipped over it, but when they have that brief introduction to, like, former Mayor White with his, like, singers and everything, when, I like, guess, the one of the callers asked him if it's okay to kill, still call him Mayor, and he's like, well, the mayor is out of town, so I guess it's fine. And, like, the singers at that point unprompted just say that uh, Tibby, who is, like, Tibby Dink, uh, they specifically use the word that she creamed him at the polls. And it's like, I get that that's a phrase, a saying, but you can't really use the word creamed in a kid show, let's be honest here. <laughs> But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's fine. I guess it's it's still a, it's still a turn of phrase, but it's like it's still just when I heard that I was like, okay, yeah, sure, you got the word creamed on Doug, sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's just one of those things I where mean, it's like they yeah, they it's... also just yeah, I don't know. It's it's just like one of those things where like this guy also has margaritas. Doug is twelve. All his all his like uh inner personas would also presumably be twelve. So I don't know why how Doug, Doug got alcohol. <laughs> 
In any case, uh, yeah, Quailman says that he should just fly in there again and use his quail eyes to basically mind control the guards to free him, but Doug says he can't fly because this is reality. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've been listening to this with the audio, but uh, the end the end of Jones persona is called Race Canyon. <laughs> I did not remember hmm. this guy at all. It's just straight up Indiana Jones. But he says that he should just beat up the guards, but Doug doesn't want to actually punch people. He doesn't want to fight. I guess Doug does not believe in ACAB. <laughs> Uh, and finally, the just straight up James Bond persona, whose name is Smash Adams, who I also totally forgot that, uh, says suggests that it's like, well, do you know anybody who has like high tech gadgets that you could use to help you out? And I did not remember these people at all, these characters that we're going to be introduced to. But Doug does know two guys who can help him out because he goes to. I should have gotten what these guys' last name is. He goes to these two, like, twins who also have, like, one of those, like, weirder character designs to them. Like, they have, like, like pale bluish skin. They kind of look like a bit like they're undead teens or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're going for that because they are, like, the wacky inventor kids. So it's like, oh, maybe they're, like, supposed to be, like, a Frankenstein-y kind of, like, scientist motif to them with having the, like, the, the pale blue skin or something of, like, oh, they're undead or whatever. But yeah, these are Al they're just blue and weird. I think so. I don't know. Again, I've, I totally forgot these guys exist. But I, when I saw them, I was like, I kind of remember these guys showing up at times. But before I saw them, I was like, I don't know who the fuck these guys are. But these guys are apparently named Al and Moo. Again, two guys I don't know. Huh. Uh, yeah. They basically say that even, they've... I don't hmm? see the joke, even. No, I don't know I, either. I just don't even... Yeah, no, I don't know if there Al-Moo? is, like, a hidden... Moo Al? It's... I don't know. Maybe it's based. I, I gotta. I, I gotta look up their last name now. I gotta see. Uh, Sleech. Al and Moose Sleech. <laughs> Albert and Moose are apparently their full names. Yeah, no, I, 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 I still don't. There's nothing there. No, no. Also, apparently they were introduced in an episode called Doug and the Weird Kids, which is very much on the nose, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> These are guys I forgot exist. But yeah, they basically say that they have combined their technological know-how and their dad's bakery <laughs> to make a variety of killer baked goods. <laughs> but Doug is like, well, I don't want to hurt anybody. I just want to make a clean getaway. So they're like, yeah, the only option we have in that case is a smoke bomb that's inside a cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't understand how this cupcake works either, but also it's a good show. It doesn't have to. Yeah, it, but also yeah. Doug is a loser. He doesn't. He's not yeah, willing to yeah. inflict violence to defend people from the unfair carceral yeah. justice of the I state. Yeah, I mean that—that's kind of just what Doug as a show is. Like, it's like so many. Like, I mean, Doug has a really active imagination. I mean, like, aside from the fact that he has his three personas, he's always like envisioning how events will play out, like all the time in each episode. So it's like Doug always kind of assumes the worst case scenario because he kind of is that like Charlie Brown inspired like perpetual loser kid, even though he never mm-hmm. really like fully like loses. He never really like gets dunked on or anything in an episode. It always kind of just works out for him. He just assumes the worst because that's how I guess he's just anxious all the time. I mean, I can relate, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 just weird that like he he has this like such like kind of loser energy, but he really doesn't ever lose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's it's strange. <laughs> yeah. At any rate, uh, Doug and Skeeter then go to the pound slash prison. It's called pound on there, but again, they took him in a police car. Why is he not at the prison? I don't know. But yeah, they're just immediately stalled by the guard because apparently this place just has a full-on no-cupcake policy, despite Doug saying it's the Christmas present for his dog. <laughs> 
Doug immediately basically just abandons the smoke bomb plan because he like kind of like indicates to Skeeter to like pull out plan B, which is Skeeter just acts sick on the floor. Uh, basically, <laughs> just Doug just fully leaves him and the cupcake behind as he just effortlessly sneaks into the I wrote Doug containment, not the dog containment. I don't know why, but it's always <laughs> Doug and dog in this. To be fair, so I wrote Doug. And he basically sneaks through the door that leads to like where the dogs are held. Which is right next to where the guard is sitting. There's no way this guard does not see Doug walk in through his peripheral vision. But at this point, it's like uh, the he's guard. Busy. The guard is like looking at Skeeter and like conveniently gets a phone call, being like, "Yep, we're keeping a close eye on the murder dogs, or <laughs> no, whatever." And it's like, meanwhile, like Doug is right there, two inches from him, going into the like the hallway where the dogs are kept. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, he he's left his uh, smoke bomb cupcake aside, so I really don't know why Alan Moo... Uh, Alan, not Alan Moo, Alan Moo. I don't know why they were introduced here in this episode that that cupcake didn't do anything, <laughs> for the most part. Yeah, anyway, uh, the Doug gets help from some of the other dogs that are seemingly of the same level of sentience as Porktop, because some of them actually point him in the, in the right direction, because he's, like, basically looking around, like, trying to say Porktop's name to see if he's around, and, like, other dogs are like, oh, go that way, kind of deal. Like, but they're pointing their hands out through the bars. There's only like, one dog in, like, a solitary, like, in a solitary cell. Not, like, solitary confinement, but there's just one dog hanging out of a cell, just sitting on a bed, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure what this dog's deal is. He doesn't come up again, but that, there's just a dog that's smoking a cigarette in jail. <laughs> He's just uh, smoking. It's fine. It's just having a smoke, I guess. But, yeah, I, don't, I, I still bring in the question... What this, why this universe doesn't give these animals personhood when they clearly can enjoy cigarettes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Basically, but at this point, as he's going th uh, deeper into here, uh, we cut back to the guard who decides to take a bite of the cupcake before Skeeter can tell him no. And this guy decides smoke billow out of his ears, nose, and mouth. So, like, Skeeter and Doug are definitely going to jail for doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's cool at least... that Doug managed to kill a cop even though he was trying not to. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, I I was like, I was thinking about that too, being like, what would actually be the consequences of, like, having a smoke bomb go off in your mouth? Probably not great, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, there's at least some sort of level of explosive in there to make the casing explode, to make the, to spread the powder. So, like, even if he's not oh, noticing, even if he's not noticing that, he still has a lot of, like, <laughs> like powdered gaseous stuff coming out of his mouth. That's got to be a miserable experience at best, if not causing <laughs> problems with, like, getting into his lungs and stuff. I don't know. It's... Oh, yeah, no, I mean, like, when... Because that specific type of smoke bomb that they're using, it has an igniter. It's That's, mm -hmm. like, carbon oh, smoke. Yeah, yeah. It's not yeah, just we, powder, so... Yeah, I, sk I skipped over it, but, like, the, the twins did say to, like, basically pull the cherry and throw the cupcake to, like, to trigger it, basically. It's, like, more like uh -huh, a grenade yeah. at that point than a smoke bomb. <laughs> Yeah, that is fully a detonator that this guy has ingested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This cop, this this cop is not gonna have a fun time. He's definitely gonna die at some point soon. He, he lives long enough to get dug out of here. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, these kids would be absolutely going to jail. <laughs> Let's be real. They're twelve and they would go to jail for this. Doug eventually finds Porkchop in a locked box inside of solitary confinement uh, for very, very bad dogs. Uh, it's like it's just a, it's a comical level of like he's in a one room that is again branded for very very bad dogs the room in there has like a raised like small dais with a big locked box on it with a comical like fucking legend of zelda ass like lock on it <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And it's also fully three stories underground, at least. Yeah, also that, yeah. Doug is, like, going down the fucking, like, dungeon spiral staircase to get to this place, too. <laughs> it is ridiculous what this fucking pound is like. But yeah, <laughs> but uh, before he can actually do anything, as soon as he enters the room, alarms Blair, basically, uh, like, he can't do anything to help Porkchop, and the guard, who's somehow not dead at this point, uh, just grabs him to make him leave instead of, uh, again... Doug especially would be going to jail, because not only did he bring a weapon to the police precinct here, he also did trespassing and entering here. He, he stuck past the guard to try to break out a prisoner. <laughs> so, like, no, he's, he's, the phrase he uses is like, alright, kid, time to go. <laughs> like, just, like, then just make Doug leave and not, like, <laughs> throw him in a cell too. And it's like, okay, I guess Doug's getting off easy. Doug should count his lucky stars, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, well, this is dog jail, not people jail. So true. Yeah, it's like, oh darn, he 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 trespassed at the pound. I guess we can't throw him in jail because this is the dog jail. Well, uh, <laughs> maybe go turn yourself in at the jail. Maybe those will you in for this. <laughs> but this isn't my jurisdiction. But yeah, uh, Doug Doug can't do anything else besides just like screaming Parkdop's name and Parkdop just tearfully waves goodbye at him, and he's all sad. Uh, this is again like a case where I mentioned that Doug has a really overactive imagination because Doug's basically just at his wit's end at this point because the trial is tomorrow, which again is Christmas Eve, and he can only think about how he got parked out for Christmas when he was a year old, as I alluded to earlier. Uh, so again, parked out like close to a decade old at this point, so he's pretty old for a dog, uh, let's be honest. <laughs> Uh, and also, apparently, <laughs> last year, Porkchop gifted him the journal that Doug's always using as the framing device for each episode. Also, this is, like, where Doug gives Porkchop a Walkman, which I want to say comes up in multiple episodes. I, I distinctly remember Porkchop having a Walkman in other points besides just this episode. I think it does. Actually, I, think it's I remember a, that as well, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's a, I think it's shown occasionally that he has a Walkman, and, and this is the context where he got it. Again, don't know how Porkchop got the money. For a journal, if a do apparently dogs don't know what money is, and he doesn't have any. <laughs> but he, he, got, he got the journal somehow, so again, maybe Parktop is doing crime for his friends and family. <laughs> maybe he stole the journal. Well, dogs are actually a fully barter system. They operate outside <laughs> the bounds of capitalism. Yeah, you know, make, make sense to me. Makes more sense than a lot of this context that they say about dogs in the course of this episode alone. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but at that point, Doug can okay, only sorry. think of- I just, mm -hmm. scrubbing through the episode real quick, I just want to mm -hmm. say, the guy who pulls Doug out of the the uh, the jail at the end there, mm -hmm. we don't actually get a look at his face. It's possible that it's not the same officer. I think I think it's the same voice, is the thing. I think it's the same voice oh, okay. actor. Yeah, I think that's how well, I was- I th I'm pretty sure that's how I was like, this is the same guy, because I'm pretty sure it's the same dude who voiced the cop who ate the cupcake. Okay, well that's fair. Yeah. I'm just I've got it with subtitles yeah, yeah. on because of course we're recording the show. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 fair. Oh wow, your your version has subtitles. Mine sure didn't. Mine was mine was an original airing on uh, four by three aspect ratio at like two forty p or whatever. Because <laughs> that's Woof. the upload they did. That's the upload they did from the nineties. I guess they just took that <laughs> from a VHS. Maybe they did not actually do like any of the digital remasters that have released since then. Brutal. So, yeah, it was rough watching it twice just because of that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, in any case, uh, after all that, Doug can only think about how for this Christmas, uh, Porkchop will be getting him his grave. 
because he just envisions that poor dad's gonna lose the trial and just be murdered uh, that's put down immediately like he's just envisioning himself there at like a graveyard when it's all raining on christmas and everything crying at poor dad's grave very very morbid and also to be fair doug is 12 he would immediately jump to this conclusion <laughs> in any case uh we cut to the next day at the courthouse where mr bluff is not so subtly trying to get the judge on his side to get this over with quickly since he's missing his christmas party so yay they're just having some open corruption here of like hey can we just hurry this along we know this dog's guilty let's just get this over with i want to go to my party mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the trial begins where again to the best of my interpretation doug is basically just acting as porkchop's lawyer or defendant because they don't have a lawyer here present for porkchop <laughs> Mr. Bluff has a lawyer. Yeah. Porkchop doesn't. So I'm guessing it's just Doug doing the best he can because his family's not poor, but maybe they just didn't have time to get a lawyer or nobody would represent Porkchop. And so he's doing it I himself. Mean, they have a right to a public defender. <laughs> they do. Yeah. But maybe all the defenders are like, oh, well, that dog bit the, the rich girl. I, I'm not taking that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think you can decline, right? <laughs> if you're a public <laughs> defender, I feel like it's your job no matter the circumstances, right? Yep. Like, even if it's like, oh, yeah, this guy's totally fucking guilty. I have to do my fucking best here because it's my job. <laughs> yep. But, uh, I don't know. They don't have a lawyer. They have Doug. I guess that's enough. <laughs> uh, a Doug psychologist basically just tries to sway the court against Porkchop because of, like, various BS reasons. He's like, oh, the guys are so close. This is clearly in case that Porkchop is a killer or whatever. Like, it's it's this guy is just a quack, basically. Yeah, this uh, is like eugenics, but for dogs. Yeah, yeah, this, that's really what this guy's doing. He's like, oh, the guys are this close, so therefore that means he's a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh... <laughs> Basically, as that guy's just, like, drowning on about, like, whatever bullshit reasons he has, uh, Doug is basically, like, watching Porkchop again try to, like, gesture at him to, like, try to, uh, get across the situation as he knows it. And from all that, somehow, Doug is able to figure out that Porkchop's trying to, like, tell him about the lake. I don't, I don't fully get this, because I don't see Porkchop do anything that makes Doug go to the, like, oh, it rhymes with rake? Oh, lake, you want us to go to the lake? I don't, I don't get how Doug comes to this conclusion, based on what Porkchop's waving around with his arms. But somehow, <laughs> somehow he figures it out, of like, okay, we have to go back to the lake, there's something there. Uh, but yeah. At that point, the court calls Bibi to the stand to testify, and she's rolled in on a wheelchair for a leg in a cast, which makes Doug has to, like, basically reevaluate the situation, because she's like, he's like, oh, shit, she's actually hurt. Fuck. Ah, uh, shit. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's basically how it is. Uh, he reconvenes with his personas in his mind palace again to see if they can offer anything useful, but they just end up basically squabbling with each other basically they're just like oh we should plead guilty and like see what happens or just like being like nope i refuse to take a responsibility porkchop did nothing wrong <laughs> and it's like they, they're just not of any help i don't know why they had to have another scene with them or really why they had to have them period but i guess it's because doug always has an overactive imagination so of course we have to have multiples of his personas here i guess i don't know <laughs> it's it, it it felt like at this point like having to talk to them being like i didn't know bb was bit what do we do oh we should just plead <laughs> guilty it's like it, it felt like they just had to fill like another like 10 seconds or something yeah know. yeah it's weird mm -hmm. but yeah we immediately from there to continue with bb giving her view of the events where she just fully mentioned that the bite didn't hurt like at all <laughs> But uh, Mr. Bless, the lawyer, refuses to basically listen to that, just being like, no further questions, move along, yep, yep, nope, don't, 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 pay, don't, don't pay attention to her saying that, nope, not, definitely nothing there. Yeah, uh, she fully tells her client to stop testifying. Basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's like, meanwhile, it's like, BB actually, like, even though, again, she was 
seemingly bit by Porkchop and like actually was because that's the only way Porkchop could get away. It's like she's even like seemed like she's a little bit being like, it's not really that bad. We don't have to murder this dog out over this. I'm fine. <laughs> uh we'll get to it later <laughs> on near the end of the episode. But I feel like this cast is not real and we'll get to that uh, when we get there. Uh Doug at this point asks the judge if he can ask BB some questions, but Mr. Bluff tries to argue that BB's too tired to continue testifying. And the court basically just starts to fully tie with the plus, because even the judge is like, oh, isn't she such a brave little girl, everybody? And it's like, judge, you're not supposed to be, like, rallying the court to the, the, the acute, like, defendant's case here, that you're not being impartial here. <laughs> uh, he at that point says that he's basically ready to call his case, but Doug argues that Porkchop should get to tell his side of things. Which, again, brings up more questions about the nature of dogs in this world, because the judge asks if anyone can speak dog. So again, for like the fifth time that I have to ask in this episode, why is Porkchop the one on trial if he's a dog and people don't grant him personhood, despite being a sentient creature, clearly, and also giving no opportunity for any bit of evidence for Porkchop's side of the story? It's like, you, you acknowledge you can't get his side of the thing, so how can this court, how can this trial be fair? <laughs> I, do, I don't fucking understand it. They're like, we need to make this dog suffer, and it's like, He's a dog, you're treating him like a dog, so it's like, you're not treating him like a person, he can't defend <laughs> himself because you acknowledge you can't understand him, but he's clearly a sentient creature because he's trying to be like, hey, by the way, fuck you, we have to go to the lake. <laughs> <Don't>, <laughs> you haven't actually seen everything, you don't know the shit that I've seen, <laughs> basically. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't fucking get it. <laughs> Doug says that Porkchop wants him to go to the lake at this point because he's like, oh, he's been trying to tell me that. And he tries to appeal to the townsfolk, Gabbard, because this is, again, another fucking insane thing about the nature of dogs in this world. Because Doug mm -hmm. says that Porkchop is, like, a committed member of the community and has helped, like, everybody here in, like, not, like, the largest of ways, but definitely still helped everybody out in ways. Well, now you say that, but... <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I say that. Porkchop helped rebuild a house after it burned down. <laughs> That's kind of major. <laughs> But like, yeah, it's a, mm -hmm. it's like a he long... helped that guy fix the transmission mm -hmm. on his car. Yeah, he taught yeah, the yeah, judge's yeah. daughter how to walk uh -huh. again yeah, after yeah. her accident. It's, it's an insane list. I have everything written down. He babysat somebody's kids. He rebuilt the house and also brought them cookies when their house burned down. He loaned somebody twenty dollars again, bringing up the question of how's Porkchop have money if you acknowledge dogs don't have money or know what money is in this world. But apparently, <laughs> don't, apparently Porkchop has the money to buy Doug a journal and also loan person twenty dollars. He fixed the transmission, as you said. He, some guy says he saved my hair. How? <laughs> I, I have no idea. Porktop apparently knows uh, the miracle about hair regrowth. I have no fucking idea. And like you again say, like, Doug points out, like, oh yeah, and also Judge, like, when your daughter got in an accident who taught her to walk again, it was Porktop. How the fuck? <laughs> Porktop is a dog, unless the daughter is like a little kid where Porktop is like the same height as her. How can he guide her around to help walk again? Also, again, Porktop is being treated like a normal ass dog, not a sentient being. How the fuck would he do all this stuff if they're acting like he's not a sentient creature? <laughs> Well, but see, because the other thing is here, the judge very obviously should have recused himself. If yeah, if also that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has direct personal ties to Porkchop. Porkchop helped his family out. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But again, like, the the judge is corrupt because he's on Mr. Bless payroll, seemingly, because he's like, just hurry this along, let's go, I want to get to my party. So it's like, this whole fucking trial should have been thrown out since the very start, because again, you're trying to push charges against a dog, 
when you are not treating him like a person, even though he's clearly a person. <laughs> yeah, literally everything going on in this trial is grounds for a mistrial. Even yeah, the fact that yeah. there's no defender present is like... Yeah, also like that, exactly. Like, hey, Doug is a kid. Doug is 12. He is not a lawyer. <laughs> no. <laughs> there's no public defender for Porkchop, and nobody wants to hear Porkchop's side of things. <laughs> So it's like, you can't actually have a fair trial in any way. The judge there's is also not a jury here. Yeah, also there's no jury, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even realize that, that you put that out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a fucking show. What the fuck? <laughs> any case. Yeah, Doug concludes that, like, Porkchop's helped everybody, and now Porkchop needs their help. So the judge does, he's, he's waiting to reconvene the court at the lake to see what Porkchop is trying to tell them all. We cut to there, where BB basically is, like, just being like, oh, I think I was over there, and, like, like the one, like one of only two lines that Patty, Doug's loving, just has in this entire episode, be like, "Oh, there's the panko," and and so he was like, "Okay, I guess I was over there, not here." So she starts walking over there on crutches, and parked up immediately, like you know, again knows she's walking towards the cracked ice and all near the thin ice. So he's pulling at his restraints to try to stop and help BB from falling in the lake. The judge and Mr. Bluff are just convinced that they've seen enough because of Porkchop's reaction, and they're like, oh, look at that, he's trying to kill her again. <laughs> oh, this murder dog, Let, let's go back. Uh, but of course, at that point, BB actually falls in the lake, so, uh, you know, well, he saved her once, uh, too bad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's going to walk over there, and you're going to be restrained this time, uh, she's going to fall in. I will yeah. say, it's very mm -hmm. funny that, like, she doesn't fall through the ice. She just walks over there on her crutches and falls into the hole that was her Yeah, there. yeah, also that, yeah, it's not even the thin ice itself, it's just the existing hole. Which, somehow, which, I mean, I guess it could, I guess there's a chance it could not freeze over in the, like, day or two since then, but it's, like, it's not even, like, partially covered. It's still just that massive hole from when the ice originally cracked. <laughs> Yeah, there's yeah. like not there is no illusion here of her even vaguely doing anything but just walking directly nope. towards yep. the hole in the ice. Yep, we just we just hear BB go, ah, and then like you cut like the camera shows her just fall right in. It's not like the ice cracked underneath her and she falls in and she just falls right in the hole. <laughs> the only guess I could make about this to even try and salvage this is if she jumped in on purpose to try and make pork chocolate look good. <laughs> <laughs> like BB's BB's like she's already cleaned in, she knows what happened, she's like, Oh right, yeah, maybe I, maybe I did fuck up on the lake, and then she's like doing essentially the like, like make pork chop be proven to be the hero mm -hmm. that he is or something. Which is like, like that yeah. is definitely a reach. I don't think the show is yeah, doing it, but it's the only thing I could say her, that might redeem everything else that's happening her, here. Her, the, her, the thing is, her player character knows she rolled in that one on that perception or at the lake earlier, and so now she's trying to metagame being like, oh no, I've fallen directly into the hole in the lake. Who will help me? <laughs> <laughs> And the all it's like the the character BB herself would not know that she fucked up a perception roll. <laughs> but of course. yeah, it's, it's yeah, we're almost done here. But uh basically none of the people there can actually get close enough to save her because again, like they point out it's the nice. But Porkchop manages to pull three from the guards at this point because everybody's just panicking and he dives in after to get her to safety, because Porkchop rules. <laughs> Everyone at that point well, rather it's Patty again has her one only verse line here besides earlier, where she's like, Oh, that's what he was doing. He was trying to save her from the ice. It's like, thanks, Patty. You got you got included in this episode because you had to be, huh? <laughs> because you're a main character and like <laughs> Doug's love interest. They had nothing for you to do at all. You were not at all there supporting Doug when he needed you or anything. Nope. Skeeter was there, not Patty. Uh yeah. But they all know that Porkchop was trying to thank her, like uh, not thank her, save her at this point. So basically, like immediately the paper gets printed with Porkchop being a hero, all charges against him get dismissed. And the next day, the Bluffs go visit Doug on Christmas to offer their thanks. And at this point, again, this is where I think that the cast was all just theater, like theatrics, because BB does not have the cast on anymore. It's been a day 
since she was in court with the cast on. It's been like two or three days at most since she was bit enough to need a cast in air quotes. I think the cast is bullshit. I think Mr. Bluff made her wear that, and I think, like, maybe, I think it's, like, that the hospital were, like, made to put it on her just for the sake of the court. <laughs> I think BB was fine the entire time. <laughs> Makes sense to me. I mean, Mr. Bluff owns the fucking town. He could he could easily pay off a hospital to make it seem like it's more severe than this. <laughs> yeah, she's standing there just fine, no cast. It's all good. All good. Nothing wrong. Uh, but yeah, they basically are like, oh, we wanted to thank Porkchop, but also we wanted to offer like anything else we could do besides just thanks. Uh, and again, I there's still questions here because Doug's narration says that Porkchop had the great idea for them to hold a big feast and adoption event for all the dogs in town, and like the mayor used his radio show to get all the dogs adopted and everything. How does Porkchop convey this to people if they can't actually understand him in terms of trying to tell him about the lake? <laughs> <laughs> like, is Doug the only buddy who is the only person... Wait, no, that's about to be like, is Doug the only person who can, like, interpret what Porkchop's trying to say through his gesturing and everything? He couldn't figure him out earlier at the start of the episode. <laughs> he's only able to figure out that he's trying to tell him about the lake near the very end. Not earlier being like, no, I was trying to pull BB away from the thin ice, you idiot. I was trying to make sure she didn't drown or freeze to death. <laughs> you didn't get it then. I don't know yeah. how Porkchop conveys this to them to be like, we should have an event for all the dogs in the pound to get them homes. <laughs> but yeah, but the episode ends there at this old event where uh, they just toast the Porkchop and sing Deck the Halls, or at least the first bit, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. This episode's because... fucking insane. <laughs> it is, but I also gotta, like, it's... There's nothing about it that makes it a Christmas story, except for the fact that the trial yeah, arbitrarily yeah. happens on Christmas Pretty Eve. Pretty much, yeah. It's just that it's set around there. And it's like, I guess, like, yeah, like, Doug and Judy do go to the mall for, like, a little bit of Christmas shopping. And, like, you see Christmas decorations and everything, and Porkchop's in, like, a Santa suit at the end. But it's, like, it's really just, like, that's just the backdrop. There's nothing in the episode itself that's about Christmas itself. Yeah. It's not even, like, I would argue that it's not a Christmas story, because ultimately it's not really, like, there's no learning lessons or anything about family here. It's just a misunderstanding uh, well, that gets resolved. The wiki entry does say that the moral of this episode is not judging a book by its cover, basically. Like, don't don't jump to conclusions, essentially, because it's like, oh, everybody thinks that pork chop's a mad dog or whatever. So it's like, it's... It's like, it is like, it is there, but I feel like it's like, not on the same level as like, again, going back to Hey Arnold, where Hey Arnold's whole thing is like, these kids are growing up, they're learning, like they're on the cusp of basically becoming like 10 year old, basically, so it's like, they have to figure stuff out kind of deal. I don't know. I don't know, I, I just like, a, a Christmas story, as a Christmas story, has pretty defined mm -hmm. Flow, right? It it has to yeah. have specific. There needs to be a family element, whether it's found family or mm -hmm. real family. And I guess you could argue that Doug trying to save his dog is the family yeah, element, like, but it I really, mean, yeah, really like, isn't in this episode. It's just he's trying to help someone who's innocent. Pretty the much, family yeah. Part like, barely enters into it. Yeah, like Doug, you know, does call Porkchop is like part of his family and his friend and everything. But it's like, yeah, it's like. It's, again, not on the same level as, like, you know, again, last year when we were talking about, like, how Arnold tries to reconnect Mr. Wynn with his missing daughter of over 20 mm -hmm. years. Because that would really not only make his Christmas, but probably be, like, the happiest day of Mr. Wynn's life. <laughs> Let's yeah. be honest. It's like, oh, my daughter that I thought was missing for so long and I'd never see again. Here she is. This is the best day. <laughs> like, any sort of thing. And also, like, again, like, aside from the fact that, like, 
a lot of that is also Arnold trying to like convey to multiple people that it's like it's not even the much the gift itself that matters. It's the thought kind of deal. Like yeah. when he has to tell Gerald not to just get his family ties because it's like you have a not you have like a four year old sister. Don't get her a tie. <laughs> yeah, Put some thought I mean, into ultimately, that. Ultimately, what I'm trying to get at here is that like the biggest element of a Christmas story in this is that is the, the the arc where Mr. Bluff is trying to kill the dog and then yeah. learns that actually I'll help all these dogs. But even that is so off screen, we barely get like Yeah. Yeah. It's like again, like I mean, like I think again, I can't I can't help but compare it to that like episode of Hey Arnold where it's like there's multiple side characters that matter in that episode of Hey Arnold. Like it's not just about Arnold or Mr. Wynn. Like I mean to be fair, it's like one also like I think there's, like, a few episodes that are all about Mr. Wynn as well. Like, I remember there's, like, a bit where he's, like, a singer and also he's just, like, a really good chef or something because he works as a chef. <laughs> but, like, it's, like, it's very much, like, I think this was, like, the first one of those. Like, I think Mr. Wynn wasn't really much of a character up until this point. But it's, like, Gerald is featured a lot in the episode because he's hanging out with Arnold. Like, they're going around doing this on Christmas Eve because he's just that good of a friend to Arnold. He's, like, yeah, I'll help you out with this. Helga mm-hmm. is the main character in that because she's, like, trying to figure out like, her whole deal is, like, again, figuring out it's not about the present, it's about the thought that matters. Like, it's not about getting the fancy stupid snow boots, Helga, it's about making somebody else's day by giving them away kind of deal. Like, yeah. in this, it's really just Doug. Like, I, I, at the top I said that BB was, like, a main character of it, but it's really more because she's just involved in the inciting incident. Like, really more than anything, like, Porkchop's kind of more of even the focal point than Doug, in a way, just because it's all about what he did. And Doug's sure. just there because he's the main character. Like, we're following him instead. But, like, none of the other characters matter. Skeeter shows up for that one scene to go with him to the pounds. To be fair, he's also at the court, but he doesn't do anything. Patty's <laughs> there at the court just to show up near the end of the episode because I guess her con- her voice actress has a contract to be like, I have to be in each episode and say at least one thing. So that's why she's like, there's the pine cone, or that's what he was doing. <laughs> that's all she does. I mean, you gotta get those residuals somehow. Like, it's it's insane to think about that the twins who were characters I totally didn't remember exist kind of have more to do than Doug's best friend and his love interest. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's like, his family just, for the most part, seems to not give a fuck. <laughs> like, I know that Doug told them, like, I want to go get the signatures myself because because he's my dog. And it's like, it should still be like, yeah, okay, but we're still going to help out because we're your family and we care. Because Porkdown's part of our family, too. And it's like, it's also so weird, because like, remember when I mentioned that Judy was like, oh, an insane dog has been living on the roof this whole time, like, mm-hmm. when Doug's dad suggests getting signatures, like, Judy also, like, convenes them there of, like, the family shot of them being like, yeah, we're gonna do it. She doesn't do anything. <laughs> she doesn't help. She has no lines the rest of the episode. She shows up <laughs> again, I think, at the trial, and also, like, at the party at the end, and that's it. And it's like, Judy, maybe be there for your brother. <laughs> he's going through it he might lose his dog and I get that again <laughs> Porktop is a bit of an older dog but it's like it still sucks to lose a pet regardless of what age they are yeah <laughs> especially when it's like oh he might be being put down because seemingly he attacked a person unprovoked mm-hmm. but, yeah, but also you know it's not like Porkchop isn't her dog also yeah cause, uh, well, I mean, I, yeah he's yeah. Doug's dog but they live together you know it's not yeah yeah it, it's like again it is a case of like yeah like Doug got porked out for his first Christmas but it's like you know it's, it's like oh I'm the one that got the N64 or whatever for Christmas it's still gonna basically be a family thing cause it's like not gonna be a jerk and be like you gotta get your own N64 this one's mine <laughs> or anything 
I mean, to be fair, I was that with the GBA, but also, like, to be fair, like, you know, only one of them actually wanted the GBA their own, they also got one too, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, like, Cantels were always like, this is mine, the consoles were like, these are shared. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of deal. Yeah. Because also, the consoles are larger and more expensive, and also you need a TV to play it on at the time, so it's like, you kind of are limited a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. Like you say, this is like really not a Christmas episode. <laughs> it's it's just the timing is the thing. And you know, if we listen to that old lady, then it's like, well, you should have thought of that before it became Christmas. <laughs> Too bad. Uh, I really appreciate the weirdness that you brought to it. I mean, that was really fantastic. But yeah, it's just such a weird holiday <laughs> episode. I don't. It's so strange. Know how to I guess again, I guess this is why this one also stuck out in my mind. Like again, I mentioned it last year with me being like, "Oh, Hey Arnold was the one that popped into my mind immediately." But also, I considered the Doug one because I even mentioned like, "Oh yeah, I remember that because it's like Porkchop is on trial for biting a person to save their <laughs> life, but they all don't think that." <laughs> I remember that in particular. There were so many little details I did not remember at all. Of like, again, the nature of dogs as people in this setting is so fucking weird. Because <laughs> it's, I just can't get off of that. Because it's like, uh, it's so, it's so fucking bizarre. They treat him like a person, but also not. They acknowledge <laughs> that he wouldn't have any concept of money, but also they still are treating him like a regular dog. So it's like he really can't be like malicious here. But yeah. also, he can go and fix people's houses when they burn down, and fix a transmission, and also loan the person money that he's not supposed to know exists. I, I, I don't. I, I basically do not recall any of that stuff actually happening in the show. <laughs> like, I, I think for, I'm pretty sure for the most part, in the context of the, of the show that I remember, Porkchop is either like not really a factor, or he's just like basically in the background, just like whenever we get like shots of Doug and his family just hanging out <laughs> or whatever. I don't think he does a whole lot. <laughs> that makes sense, but yeah, no, I mean, the thing that's... I don't know, it, it's it's just so strange. There was a thing that was sticking out to me, but even that doesn't... It's fine. It's not even worth bringing up. This whole episode is so strange. That... Yeah, it's, it's so fucking weird. <laughs> like, it was a case of, like, when I was trying to think of it, when we brought up, like, oh yeah, let's do the recording now, just get it out of the way, because we already have enough of a backlog, basically, let's just take care of this now before it gets too close to the holidays i was even just trying to think of like is there anything i can think of besides the doug christmas episode and i was like nah, i guess not really at the moment besides obviously again the rugrats one which again would have been very funny if i did pick the rugrats one after you picked the <laughs> other rugrats one <laughs> would have been very amusing but like that would uh, be pretty good yeah it would have been pretty hilarious if we both pick rugrats but it's just one of those cases where it's like this is not one that I ever really went back to. I just distinctly remember it for being weird, and I guess as a kid I acknowledged it was weird, but I didn't remember just how fucking weird. <laughs> Compared to, like, you know, I, I mentioned before, like, last year, like, there were times, like, even my adulthood, I'd just be like, oh, okay, it's, like, the Christmas season, time to watch both Muppet Christmas Carol and the Halo Christmas special, because the Halo one is kind of depressing <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> I don't know. It's It's... <sighs> I am. I don't want to rewatch Doug, but I feel like I have to rewatch some Doug just to see if the rest of the show is just fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it has to be, right? I don't think it's just the Christmas episode that's fucking weird. I think it has it to be the show be. as a whole. There's no way. But at the same time, I feel like it's. I, I I distinctly remember all the time that Doug always jumps to like the, all the worst conclusions possible and has such an overactive imagination about it. So like, 
in my mind, I'm like, it has to be like this all the time. Maybe this is more heightened because it's about a dog compared to Doug himself, really. But it's like, I, I, don't, I don't fucking know. I think I might have to look up, like, what are the fucking weirdest episodes of Doug and watch some of it and see. Ah. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, I'll be curious to see what we well, do next year. <laughs> yes, indeed. There's plenty more to go. I will say that I strongly considered when I was thinking about Hanukkah specials about bringing the movie The Hebrew Hammer, but since it's a whole movie, I ultimately decided not to because yeah, like though there it was is a... a Hanukkah movie, it's like you know, it's a, it's a film, yeah. It's similar to like how I was even like entertaining, like oh, would Muppet Christmas Carol even be on the table? But it's like that's not the longest movie, but it still is a movie. Yeah, I Compared, feel like com- if we were gonna do a movie, we would need to mutually agree on that beforehand. Yeah, it would it would be more like we take it in shifts, like when we did the Mona kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't. I think it's uh, yeah. more fun. I think it's more fun to do it like this, of like both of us have no fucking idea what the other one picked. Because again, I like agree. this is like how you, like how you brought up like oh actually <laughs> we might have gotten our words crossed here. We might have picked the right the same thing. <laughs> 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 and again, it was me being like, okay, well it's gonna be interesting if we do and have to just talk about the same episode twice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, if you had to- if you had brought up if you had picked the Doug episode and then I had to talk about Doug again, I don't know if I could have done it. I don't think there's any conceivable way I would have brought up the Doug episode. That's just so far outside of my sphere. Yeah, of... yeah like you say, you didn't really watch Doug as a kid, right? Yeah, no, that just was yeah. not an option for me. Yeah, like like you were at least familiar with some of it at the least. Like you recognize who Skeeter was, kind of deal. Yeah, but like not like I mean to be fair again, there's a lot of Doug I have no fucking recollection of because. I guess most of the episodes are maybe just normal, and this is just the outlier because it's fucking weird. <laughs> or maybe it's just because it's a Christmas episode, and it's very <laughs> weird and not about Christmas, really. <laughs> I don't know. The, the thing is, is that because of the whole living in Germany thing, the kind of uh, American pop culture I got was pretty hit and miss. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of it was just like whatever grandma happened to tape off Saturday morning cartoons and then yeah. mail to us on VHS tape. So, <laughs> huh? Interesting. <laughs> because you know, of course, you don't get English TV over in Germany. You get yeah. like the base news channel, and maybe like, if you're lucky and your signal is strong, you pick something up from England over the few hundred yeah, miles away. Like, I'd imagine you probably wouldn't get many like American broadcasts either, right? Definitely not. No, I yeah. mean maybe now, but at the time it was. Yeah, definitely not. Like you, you, yeah, you have a much better chance now, and also like even if not, it's like everything's online anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. fully, the only English language channel that we could reliably get was the base TV network, which, mm-hmm. yeah, not yeah. good. Yeah. The only, other, so the only other option I had in my mind as well was the Pokemon Christmas episode, just because they meet Santa Claus, and it sounds as if Santa Claus exists in the Pokemon world. <laughs> well, that's pretty all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm forgetting, though. That might be the same one where Ash is, like, kind of freezing to death, so his Pokemon will come out of their Pokeballs to put them all, all of them at risk in order to keep him warm or something. Because, like, his whole thing is, like, he's basically trying to force Pikachu into the ball, this way he can be warmer in there or something, mm-hmm. so only he suffers, but then, like, because I'd also like the one that I guess they like made out of order and then for like obviously the Japanese release because again that I've said it before Charmander is still a Charmander and not a Charizard even though that's yeah. how the order aired in America so it must have been like it worked out in Japan but then they're like oh shit based on when we started airing it it doesn't work out now because he's already a Charmeleon or a Charizard now so whoops <laughs> <laughs> 
Here's just a side story of before that, I guess, where they found out Santa Claus exists in the Pokemon world. <laughs> but I might be getting that mixed up in another episode. Uh, there might be a different case where Ash was freezing, but I'm pretty sure it was that same one. Because again, I distinctly remember Charmander was there, which me as a kid just being like, how's, not only being like, how's Charmander here when he's a Charmeleon or Charizard, but also like, he's got fire on his tail. Shouldn't they be fine? <laughs> well, I mean, a little fire isn't big enough to... Yeah, but like, I mean, at, at that point, it's like, it's just Ash, Pikachu, Squirtle, Charmander, Bulbasaur, and Pidgeotto, I think. Because, yeah, at this point, he had let Butterfree go free to go fuck. <laughs> so it's just literally the five of them, and like, the biggest of them is Pidgeotto besides Ash. And it's like, I, I think that fire would at least be something. But I'm pretty mm. sure, like, Charmander's just, like, holding on to him. Like, just, like, hugging him to keep him warm or something like that. And it's like, you have a fire tail. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Pokemon. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I, will only, I did consider uh, the He-Man and She-Rock Christmas special, but ultimately it just, oh, I decided is, not to go for is, that. Is so. that, like, one of the few times that they actually have, like, it as a crossover? Yeah, that's when they go to Earth and meet their mom and discover that they're actually aliens. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that would have been it's, like something. It's weird. Like if we were, like it would have been a good fit if we were like still doing Shira or something. Yeah, that's that's ultimate. Like if we were still doing Shira, that would have been my number one with a bullet. But since we weren't, I decided I wanted to do something that wasn't Christmas. So yeah, makes sense. Especially because like we both picked Christmas episodes last year. Yeah. And then, funnily enough, in a weird way, we both didn't pick Christmas episodes this year because you picked Hanukkah, <laughs> and I picked something that is very much not about Christmas. <laughs> but yeah. Um. So I think at this point we should probably move to questions. Uh, if you have questions for us, you can send them to us at usweirdoscast2 on Twitter, at usweirdoscast on Blue Sky, or at usweirdos on Cohost. It's a lot. Uh, this week, I believe we only have the one question from M. Healy at M. F. Healy on Twitter. Thank you very much. Before the colonization of North America, jack-o'-lanterns were made out of rutabagas and turnips. What other seasonal produce would make for good spooky decorations? <laughs> uh, not apple. Apples are just, like, too, they're too small, first off, so it'd be, like, kind of hard to decorate them that way, like, when you think of a jack-o'-lantern. And also, like, apples are just, like... They're just, like, the fun little fruit. They're not, like, imposing or anything. I don't think you could do that with them. I mean, apples are pretty historically scary. Like, there's... I guess, well, that's more, the like... The symbolism behind them is, that's, like... Yeah, I guess, like, I guess because of, like, original sin stuff, and also, like, I'm mostly I'm thinking of, like, in fiction where it's always, like, oh, it's a poisoned apple. It's not just, like, a regular uh -huh, apple. Yeah. It's one that's, like, been enchanted or something. So I guess there's that. But also, like, when you think of, like, just, like, the average apple in, like, a grocery store, it's like, oh, this is just a little thing that's, like, the size of a baseball. You could probably hurt somebody by throwing them with it, but it's, like, not imposing otherwise. Well, sure, but neither is a rutabaga until you carve it. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I just saw that one. The durian. The durian is spiky as fuck. That thing is scary. <laughs> I'm just saying, like... That's, okay, to be fair, that's one with, like, melted wax on it. That's, again, like, poison apple imagery right there, that skull apple. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's specifically the one from Disney Snow White. <laughs> I, I guess it does look a little bit like it's, like, a head just on its own, even without the waxy stuff, so I guess it makes sense. I don't know. I guess I'm, I guess I'm thinking along the lines of, like, it's just small. Like, you know, like, when you're even, like, picking out a pumpkin, you want, like, a decent-sized pumpkin, so you have real estate to work with. I guess I was also thinking in terms of like you're you're still carving it, 
not like <laughs> using like a like a liquid or like melted wax or something on it to decorate it instead. Well, I guess, but I don't know. It seems yeah. fine to me. But I mean, yeah. if that's what you want to go for, why not a why not a summer wind a watermelon jack o' lantern? I don't actually know what that is. Uh, well, I believe it was popularized by the episode of Gravity <laughs> Falls, in which they wanted to oh, have a yeah. <laughs> Halloween episode, but it was still summer. And so they had everyone carve watermelons, but it's become quite a popular thing nowadays. Especially yeah, I mean, for like, um, it... more southern states, where pumpkins are, are not in, uh, like, you know, they rot faster in the heat. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, like, it is, like, at least still, like, it is roughly the same size, and, like, uh... Not texture, but like you know, it's like the same like consistency of a pumpkin, pretty much. <laughs> Got the hard also, rind over the soft guts. Yeah, yeah. Also, it's like at least like I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of like pumpkin flavored anything, but like if you're carving that, you at least can use the actual melon itself and just like eat it or something. Well, I mean, that's what you do with a pumpkin is you I, pull, yeah, hollow I, out I, the insides I, and make pumpkin guts. I know. For I just, pies I, or whatever. I, I just don't like pumpkin flavored stuff. <laughs> well, that's fair. Yeah. Also, I'm, I'm looking at like a list of like the nine spookiest types of produce just to get ideas. Uh, ha! Re Re Rembutons, I think is how you pronounce that. Those those look like they're fucking sea anemones. Those would be like creepy to have like decorated, like using as decorations or something. <laughs> <laughs> they they uh... really yeah they they look like they're just like little tendril things like they should be underwater. Uh, why is this passion fruit? What? Black radish, it's just the radish that's black. It's that's whatever. <laughs> this list might be kind of shit. <laughs> it's possible. And... <laughs> but this one, they they cherry moigas is what they're showing. It's like, oh, these look like they could be like lizard eggs or something. I, I guess I can see it, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're just showing ones like, oh, this looks like fingers, and it's like, okay, I guess I can see that, sure, but, like, I, wa I want, like, again, like, the durian is, like, a weapon. Like, that's, like, a fucking weapon. You could stick a durian on a fucking mace and hit somebody with that, and it would hurt, because it's all spiky. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's outside what the question is of, like, which would you use as decorations, not which would you use as a murder weapon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, just, just a smidge. <laughs> number nine is this is black garlic and it's like oh it's literally just garlic that's black i guess that's just out of the ordinary but that's not like scary i would say just look like it well, black garlic is so good though <sighs> okay okay well, well yeah. one one of these results it gave me is 10 darkest devil fruits in one piece i'm not asking for that i'm not asking i know devil fruits are the thing that lets you have like magic powers or whatever but if you eat two of them you die from that series. Okay, listen. <laughs> if, if someone was enough of a goon to hollow out a devil fruit and use it as a decoration, <laughs> I mean, that would be scary because fully, that's like, those are some of the most valuable treasures on the planet. And yeah, you're just... you're just using it to decorate for Halloween. Yeah. Just a real, <laughs> just a real fuck you to anybody that wants those superpowers. <laughs> uh huh. Also, I, I never actually had seen what these look like. I didn't realize that they really are just, like, regular fruit, but are just, like, a little bumpy. <laughs> like, th this one is just actually a bunch of bananas, but it's just got ridges to it instead of, like, the smoothness of a banana peel. <laughs> but, I mean, it doesn't have a peel, is the thing. You just eat that. 
Yeah, I, I guess, yeah. But, yeah, no. And, again, I was expecting it to be like, oh, this is like some fucked up kind of fruit that's like hard to eat, and you have to work on that in order to actually get those powers or something like Compared to like, oh, it just kind of looks like it's just a bunch of bananas. It looks like it's some You don't even 64. have to eat the whole thing as long as you take a bite of it. Oh, well, there you go, I guess. Can you share it with other people? Nope. Yeah, well, I guess it's one, one and done. <laughs> But yeah, also, like, I'm just saying, a lot of these do not look like real fruit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, when it's like when, when it's a, like a pineapple that looks like it's bits of fire instead of the pineapple, like, slices or whatever, then yeah, I can see how it doesn't look like fruit. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's funny because, like, yeah. I'm actually on the One Piece wiki looking up devil fruit just to see more about it, and, like, one of the pictures is really a guy taking a bite of this exact same fruit. <laughs> hmm. Okay, well, uh, if we are at the point in the show where we are on the One Piece wiki, I'd say it's yeah, probably about time yeah, for us you to know, yeah. <laughs> one Piece doesn't have queer so, characters, to my knowledge. I think it has one trans character or something, but that's it. <laughs> uh, one Piece definitely does have queer characters, but that's not enough good, not good enough of a reason to watch it. Okay. Uh, Oda is very vocally supportive of a man who is definitely a pedophile, so don't. Do Yay! It. Um, oh yeah, I remember hearing people talk about that because of Netflix shows popularity. Also, I mean, like, let's also be real here. Nobody can actually finish One Piece in terms of a podcast or anything like that because One Piece will never fucking end. <laughs> There's so much of it already. It'll end eventually. Yeah, maybe when Oda dies. Maybe that's how it ends. <laughs> like, berserk. Oda has yeah. said for a very long time that he has a specific story in mind, and when it's done, it's done. He's not extending it. He just has to get through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I keep hearing people talk about that with Game of Thrones, and I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> George R. R. Martin is just sitting on a park bench somewhere, <laughs> hanging out. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, to be fair, Meanwhile, he doesn't Meanwhile, Oda to. is literally killing himself because he refuses to take vacations, so I trust him more on this. Yeah, fair, yeah. I mean, hey, like, do- when when is fucking Dance of Dragons released? I don't know. Uh, I don't know, and I don't especially care. If I'm honest, I'm trying to end the episode. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Dance of Dragons released in 2011. <laughs> it's been over 12 years since the last Game of Thrones book. To be fair, that's also like right after season one, I think, finished airing. And obviously he got directed to that, and also writing all the lore for Elden Ring. <laughs> so he doesn't have to work anymore, basically, I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, uh, before we close out, we do have one last thing to do, which is we need to give a huge shout-out to our Patreon supporters. So just a very, very big thank you to Bookcase Queen, Trigger Harvey, and Aurora Borealis. We really appreciate you, and, uh, you know, it's it's great to have you along. Yep, we but, thank uh, you once again for helping us do what we do. Absolutely. Um, I don't think we need to do plugs. We've had three hours on this episode. Yeah, I think we're good. People know where to find us if you don't look at the previous episode or put look at the show notes. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, I'm just going to say Hanukkah Sameach. And uh, other than that, I think there's not much left to say. But remember, us weirdos have, weirdos to, have to strike together. To get... Fuck, I said Bye. strike. <laughs> Uh, the one time I get it right, I think, in my head, and then it's wrong. <laughs> uh, happy holidays, y'all. <laughs>